Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza! Yakuza! Yakuza Kick Radio! 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 Yakuza Yo, I flow great, low great, I hold weight, hold weight, spit hot shit, need cold gate. Yo, teeth kinda yellow, don't floss between meals. Cop a watch and a whip and floss between deals. Yo, I'm six foot one, you all notice them. Shot my first nigga two blocks from Paul Robinson. All over, son, you know my team, we all tow the gun. If a nigga sound like me, give the mic, cause the road is done. Don't ask me shit about Paul, I don't roll with him. Just admit, fuck too much, take no control of them. Scar cypher, divine rhyme, shine like. Linoleum. I'm no with them niggas, can't cast the lines of show with them. Yo, I'm updated, Duke, state of the art. Motherfuckers frustrated, and I'm taking your heart. Day is the start, jump up, I take you apart. Fuck shit and bricks, my nigga, my day is the part. Yo. Dining and clock at divine lining. Watch what you say or get popped and get fine rhyming. Go toe to toe and get popped and get fine dining. Then I go copper watches and top it with fine diamonds. Go put my cock on top and get dime grinding. No, not the box with rock, you die trying. Go to the spot, but the cops be like iron. Damn, go get knocked with the crops and down with linemen. Yo, I don't talk about the coke I got. Most of the coke that I got came from folks I shot. I don't give a fuck if you blood or you loke a lot. Fuck with me, you had to have an open top. I go to the Vatican with the most potent rocks. The most Colombian shit off the boats and blocks. Tell my man Illinois, come and toast the Glock. While I give out samples, hope the pole for cops. Yo, wop, bop, a boo, bop, swap, bam, boom. boom. Cops got a few blocks and pop down the two. Put your lighters up. Lighter yeah. than the air. Yeah. When you bury yeah. my body. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't bury my soul. Hey, yo, Dana, listen, listen. Hey, yo, starting the roll. Rap gun barking the chrome. Whole Glock low, trot like metal lock in the zone. I ain't trying to be the king, give me part of the throne. Split the shit between Sean Price, Carter, and Combs. Oh, you dumbass niggas know I'm smart with the poems. Call your crib, you ain't shit, dude. Fart on the phone. Send my man in jail some money for a card in the bone. Next time, hit off the seat, cause he's starving at home. Pardon me, Holmes. Watch what you say, I don't play that. Bring the war away, that niggas shit shaving, pay back. Weak on the street, but when you deep, you act gray black. Fuck you and your dogs, you ain't ready for this straight cat. I'm the nicest rapper, niggas asking why you say that. I can back it up, slap you up with the great gat. Flip first faster, I'm the rap pad, say Jack. Van the white man, I'm hype, dude. Can you say that? Listen, yo. Wednesday, August 12th, 2015. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, Jake Morris. Listen, I got I got Matt Tremont 
the man, the buck, the fucking bulldozer calling in in about a half hour. First things first, man, this is rough. I got to, you know, start out the show with a rest in peace to Sean Price. Uh, some people might know Sean Price from uh, Health is Skelter. Back in 95, they had appeared, Sean Price had appeared on um, Smith & Wesson's album, The Shining. And shortly after that, in 96, they made their first debut with their solo, uh, you know, this album, um, Nocturnal. And these dudes just set shit on fire. Um, if you listen to, I mean, just the, just the, the gritty griminess of, of what Health of Skelter was all about, man, that like they, they were the thugs of the fucking boot camp click. I mean, boot camp, you know, they had their shit and you, you know, you had Buckshot who was always the leader. Um, Health of Skelter was just like that, that thug click out of them. And Sean Price lyrics from the start were always just so on point. He was, you know, Rock had the voice because, you know, Sean Price went as Ruck, Ruckish from Healthy Skelter. So it was Ruck and Rock. Rock had that voice, that deep voice that, you know, I'm coming in. It. You know, he had that real deep, nah, mean voice. You know what I mean? But Ruck just spit fucking, I mean, just like machine gun rap. This dude had line after line after line, and it came so natural for that dude that, you know, you you couldn't deny the talent he had. So, over the years, um, he never really had, like, the popularity. He never really blew up. He also called himself the brokest rapper you know. Um, he never blew up the way that a lot of other people did because he never went commercial. He was not that dude. He was not that dude that, you know, you would find just, you know, switching his style and talking about jewels and talking about this and what kind of cars and this and that. He just, he wasn't that dude. He was a grimy through and through dude and the thing is is like you can't find too many of those guys you know when you look at a lot of cats first album you see that hunger the wu-tang uh biggie you know and biggie's second album is dope too and and you know there was some some other wu-tang you know follow-up shit that went really well too and a lot of you know wu-tang solo artists you know those their first albums met's first album um raekwon's first album jizz's first album um, all of these guys, you know, when they put that first fucking solo joint out, you felt the fucking, the passion, the, the hunger, you know, and just, just the grittiness, you felt that streak coming through your speakers because it was legit. You know, once, once people get a couple mil, they get, you know, all of a sudden they're, it's hard, it, it's contrived, you know, they start to produce you know, what was once legit, what, what was once uh, genuine and, and heartfelt. Sean Price was a dude that, that maintained that grittiness through all those years. There's very few people that you'll find that do that. Redman's always been another one to me. He's always been, you know, real special MC to me. Again, you know, he did his little playing with the limelight here and there, but Red just goes into hiding. Like, he, you don't see that motherfucker for years because he's still on some strict complete street shit, you know, Sean Price, he was always that grimy, gritty dude, um, on Saturday, he was found dead, um, died in his sleep, still haven't heard much about, you know, exactly, you know, what the circumstances was, um, 
doesn't matter really because you know he's gone. But um, definitely gonna be a missed dude in in the hip hop game. Um, they started a crowd rise for the dude because the dude, you know, he's a father of three kids. Um, their goal since Saturday was fifty thousand dollars. So far, they have raised seventy six thousand five hundred forty six dollars. So that's some real shit right there. Not these motherfuckers that want a new computer because they don't want to get a real fucking job. You know, his wife and three kids, you know, needing a fuck, you know, something. Because, like I said, Sean, you know, was known as the brokest rapper you know. He was he was a dude that just, you know, didn't get, didn't get that big breakthrough. One of the most underrated rappers of all time as far as I'm concerned. Um, that's, I mean, that's, that's hands down, man. Anybody who hasn't heard Sean Price shit, Health of Skelter shit by itself, go rock that, man. You got Nocturnal, Magnum Force, and the 2008, they put out Dirt, which was like a huge, huge fucking album that didn't get shit for buzz, man. Crazy fucking albums. But those are absolutely classics, all three of them. Now, you go through the catalog of Sean Price by himself, man. He started putting out these mixtapes. You got Donkey Sean Jr. You got Monkey Bars. That was a store joint. You got um, uh, Master P, Jesus Price Superstar, Kimbo Price, Mike M.I.C., Tyson. Um, I mean, the the list goes on and on because I know I'm missing a few. I got them all, but it's just it's crazy. Every time one of his albums will come out, you know, I mark out for that shit. You know what I mean? Like, you just... You're dying to hear that that dude dropped a new joint. And he had a great sense of humor on top of it, too. Spit fire. And on top of that, he had just, you know, he always had, he never took himself too seriously, you know. Gritty, grimy, rough dude. But he was always just a real-ass dude that would play around with shit and have fun. He played, um, he did that uh, Sean Price Grinch who stole Christmas shit. Um, You know, I Hey man, like if you don't like this dude's music, you're gonna have a problem with this show because I played a shitload of it in the past, and I can tell you right now, I, I'm gonna be playing exclusively Sean Price, fucking Health of Skelter, Random Max, like all the shit that he's been doing over the years. It's gonna be a long fucking time before I play anything else but that because this dude was so fucking underrated. Now he's gone, so you ain't gonna stop fucking hearing him out of my mouth because um this this dude needs fucking love, and honestly. You know, they, they exceeded their goal, you know, of 50 grand to try to give their family something, but it, it's never enough, man, because, I mean, the dude's gone. The, you know, the, step, the check stopped coming in. That's it. You know, there's three kids right there. So, listen, www.crowdrise.com backslash Sean P. Go hit him up. And um, when his new album comes out, because he had just finished another album, and... um. That's coming out at the end of this month. It was scheduled to come out, I think, the 22nd or something like that. God knows, you know, what's going to go on as far as release date. So, of course, have patience for Christ's sake. But um, when that album comes out, 100% of the proceeds are going to his family. Don't steal it. I can't stress that shit enough. I'm not one of those dudes that's completely against piracy. It is what it is, man. This is what the fucking industry and everything is really turned into. And people manage. But this is going directly you know, to his family. This, this is the last joint you're going to hear. So 
the least you could do, you know, go out, cop that. Um, you know, whether, you, you know, you digitally download it, I'm sure they'll have the download for probably 15 bucks or something like that. You know, hit them up. Thing, like I said, the crowd rise, man, throw him five bucks, ten bucks for everything he's done in his career, for Christ's sake. So, listen, um, he's going to be missed 43 years old, just like that. So, yeah, I'm going to play another track. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep it rolling. I'm gonna try to get my um my composure, try to get my head right because um shit like this fucks you up, man. I was on my way to the Turtleback Zoo with the kids and shit, and um you know that the shit just rocked me, and it's still it's still setting in, man. It's my favorite dude, so uh yeah, check him out. Like I said in the beginning of this track too, you'll see that sense of humor. He's sitting there with a little guitar and shit doing a little show until November, and then uh, he breaks into the freestyle, and you just look at the fucking viciousness, the fucking, how thorough this fucking freestyle is. How, I mean, how this dude's flow is slept on by so many fucking people, how so many people are completely unaware of the fucking, the talent that this guy has. How many people get fucking completely overrated, all this waka flocka bullshit, all that shit is garbage compared to what the fuck this guy put out. His his wordplay, you know, the amount of just cleverness that he put into his rhymes. And like I said, that machine gun rap, that nonstop, this dude ain't got a... This dude ain't got to think for three years to come up with shit, man. It's natural as fuck to him. So check this shit out. I'll be back in a minute. Every time I make a run... Girl, you turn around and cry. I ask myself, why, oh, why? Bitch, you can't understand. I can't work a nine to five. So I'll be Sean till November. I'll be Sean till November. I'll be Sean till November. January, February, March, April, May. Yeah. Why Clef Sean, baby? I'm here. That's what's going on. <laughs> Yo. Yeah. Earth shattering, first to burst battering. Wrong color on your turf trafficking. What up? Sean's the name. Y'all niggas ain't ready for. Won't beep in the street. None of my metaphors. Sean the bomb, Lebanon, Decepticon. Most high, most fly. Most high like Farrakhan. All praise is due to Allah. Have no idea what I do to your squad. Listen, your face look like steak with the A1 sauce. When the guard let the AR off. Bang. Listen, ain't a rapper that a battle on smack. I'm the rapper with the gat on your hat. Nigga, rap prime minister. I will not finish up. Four and four a hot punch, bitch. Fatally finish up. Y'all niggas is whack. Sean Price and I'm bringing you back. Yeah. I'm almost famous. Y'all niggas is half-ass. Almost anus. Got a new car. Almost ranged it. We broke by the chain. Almost exchanged it. I hang with niggas that's two-time felons. First of the month on the stupid dime selling. Yeah. Sean Price is dumb. Sell crack on the block with Mike Tyson from. Listen, I like fighting, but they're nice with guns. I might knife him, but I like my gun. Unleash me, Paul, Daddy the dog. With my eyes on the green, nigga Kermit the Frog. Stupid with mine. My stupidest 
lines, I put them together, turn them to a beautiful rhyme. When I rap, y'all niggas take notice. When you rap, niggas notice you bogus. Focus on me, Sean Price broke his MC. Heroin addict, literally the dopest MC. Yo, I'm telling the truth, you living a lie. When I step in the booth, all competitors die. My sweater is flops. Look at my kicks, look at my jeans, look at that shit. I'm crooked as shit, I still crack in the building. Domestic violence, thought violence, smacking my children. Rucky's the realest, realer. Baby Nape and Red Monkey, I'm a fucking gorilla. Donkey Kong is the game, Donkey Sean is the name. I'm playing for keeps, I'm part of the chain. Yeah. Yeah, man. So you, you can see a little bit what I'm talking about, and you're going to continue to, you know, see what I'm talking about as I, you know, continue to play tracks on this show um, as I've done in the past. And, you know, but, man, I saw uh, Mike Rappaport, he put up um, Cure, and, you know, they already got the mural up on the wall in Brownsville and shit, and the shit is just, it's surreal. It's crazy as fuck. So, um, yeah, rest in peace to that dude, man. It's fucking crazy. See, I've always been one of them dudes that that thought, you know, the best rapper that we ever lost was Big L. Um, hey, man, you know, I'm a fan of Big I'm a fan of Pac, all that stuff. But I think lyricist-wise, the biggest tragedy as far as a lyricist went is a guy that, that never got enough shine, and that was Big L. And this is another one in Sean Price, man, for real, on some serious, serious shit, man. You look at straight-up lyricism and, and just, you know, the the craft that it's its finest. You know what I mean? And putting putting the words down the way they did, man. And just and, and staying rugged as hell. That that's the thing, man. This isn't this isn't one of those, you know, M T V jams rapper where you know what I mean, you're gonna find them on some fucking you know, top forty countdown and shit and he's gonna be mixed in with some of this and some of that. This dude is He's uh, the best in the category you want him to be at. You know what I mean? So, like I said, one of the absolute best. I don't hesitate in saying that, man. Sean Price, rest in peace. Truly, truly underrated. So, um, so yeah. Um, Matt Tremont will be calling in in a little bit. Um, got a lot to go over with him. Um, I... Uh, you know, attended the CCW show over the weekend. I have so much to say about that shit, but I, I clearly don't have time to do that right now. After the Tremont interview, I'm going to go into that. Um, and, um, yeah, that, that's that. On another uh, crazy fucking uh, situation, um, Alden Smith, man, this fucking dude, he, he plays for San Francisco. Well, he played for the San Francisco 49ers. And, uh, I mean, you never know. He might again. But it's not going to be this year. Um, the dude got arrested again. This is like his third arrest in two years or so. And, uh, or three years, something. Uh, he spent most of last year on a suspension for DUI shit and, um, some shit that happened in a house with a gun and all, all sorts of silly shit this dude is doing. Um, his rookie season, man, he missed the game or two games, something like that. I think he missed two games. And um, he was not far under J.J. Watt trying to break the fucking sack record. At one point, he was like, you know, people were like, is he going to do it? And then J.J. Watt just pulled the fuck out because J.J. Watt ain't about a, a whole bunch of other bullshit like Alden was. 
show he wasn't done doing dumb off field shit. He was just doing his damn thing on the field and representing and, you know, and being a stand up dude, um, you know, super aggressive, bad motherfucker to JJ Waters. So Alden Smith, man, he just, he's fucking himself. He's his biggest enemy. And, um, he did some kind of shit where he banged up a car. There was rumors that it was, uh, Colin Kaepernick's car that, um, Kaepernick started dating his girlfriend, um, his ex or whatever, uh, supposedly a chick, Nessa from Hot 97. And, um, I don't know if that's true. Cap said, nah, that wasn't my car. I don't even drive that type of car, this and that. They said there was a scuffle, like, at practice, like, a week before that between Cap and him. I don't know if that's the truth. They they said it's not the truth, so... Who knows what really was going on? But there is some real shit going on with this dude just popping off and just doing dumb shit off the field, man. One of the most talented, squandered fucking careers uh, as far as a young talent goes. Now, the Niners cut him. And here's why I don't I don't think it's the end. I don't, I mean, I'm not saying he's a lock to come back to San Francisco. But if he does get his shit together, win, lose, or draw, the dude is going to be suspended for this year because of what he did. He just came off of a suspension last year. I think he served like nine games or some shit like this. So this year, going in with a repeat offense before the season starts, they're taking him off for the season. So he's got a big-ass salary. If that shit's laying on the fucking Niners' payroll, that shit holds us back. It holds back a roster spot. It holds back the, the cash and all that. Him fucking him doing what he did just cleared a shitload of fucking salary cap room. We could actually make some pretty big moves right now with the salary cap room we got because of him fucking up. Um, we got Aaron Lynch over there doing some real big shit. So I mean, he might end up popping off and making a bigger name for himself just by staying, you know, on the field talent and doing his thing. So there's a lot of possibilities of what we could end up doing. I stick by my statement of saying that the San Francisco 49ers are going to be a better team on offense than they were last year by far. Even with the loss of Frank Gore, Crabtree was a cancer. That shit doesn't matter. Um, and, you know, we got Torrey Smith. We got um, Reggie Bush. I mean, we got we got some big, big fucking players. So when it comes down to it, I, I don't think we suffer on that. I, I honestly think we do better. And I really think Cap's going to fucking blow up this year. I think you have not seen the best out of Colin Kaepernick yet, and I think this year is, is absolutely going to be it. Um, it actually has to be because the dude, um, you know, the, the dude is um, not lived up to his potential. Although, you know, uh, going as far as he did that early, not exactly a bad thing, but he's made a lot of bad decisions. He has a problem with clock management. Um, he makes a little bit too two quick hasty decisions. If his first option's covered, he just didn't have the mentality to really lock it in and figure out and his field vision isn't the best. You know, one of the fastest guys on the in the quarterback position speed wise and he was the most sacked quarterback in the league. So there's a problem there. Beyond the offensive line, there's just a problem there. And um but I think um you know he worked with Kurt Warner supposedly he he looks a million times better back there his throwing motion his decision making like everything seems better so i honestly think our offense is going to be tremendously improved i think Vernon Davis bounces back um Anquan Bolden and team and back up with Tory Smith is going to be beastly on the fucking uh, receiving side of things it, it, it's all headed up there 
defensively, is, there's some question marks. If Navarro Bowman looked like he did two years ago, watch out, man. The Niners will be the Niners will be a, a big, big threat. That's that's the key, man, because that's our that's our team leader right there. You know, Pat's gone, and um, Navarro Bowman was that guy that that Pat started going, dude. I'm not the best guy on this defense. That's Patrick Willis talking. When Navarro Bowman was at his best two years ago, before he blew his knee out. Patrick Willis was looking over going, dude, this guy's better than I am. Don't sleep on this dude. He's, he is better than me. So, believe me, Big Dave Bowman can um, turn some shit on. I think Darnell Dockett is going to be a huge fucking asset for us this year. Um, yeah, I, I think we got a lot of big things coming. And uh, I, I'm, I'm fucking beyond hyped that the football season is pretty much here. Um, our first preseason game is Saturday. Um, probably won't be watching too much of it, which is painful, but, uh, I'm doing a barbecue. I'm doing the pepper pong thing told everybody about. And, um, you know, so, uh, I'll definitely update everybody next week on that shit. Another thing, dude, with this, you know, with the loss of Sean Price, that shit in the fucking headphones today, forget it, man. I was doing... Dangerous in the gym. You gotta watch. You don't know, fucking tear something when you're going that hard. It's fucking crazy. Um, you know, I had that shit. I had them pretty regular in my gym workout. You know, uh, playlist or whatever. And um, man, heavier, just complete. Just went out to scout the Sean Price fucking master twenty songs or whatever. Put it in a little side playlist and rock that shit on shuffle today in the gym. Fuck, man. That <laughs> talking about in the zone. That that shit is uh that shit was on another level tonight, so I highly recommend that. Anybody needs uh suggestions on, on Sean Price tracks, you wanna get into them, you're not you know, up on that yet. Hit me up, man. I'll tell you all sorts of shit. Um But yeah, um, like I said, San Francisco man, it's uh, a lot of crazy shit there. At least uh, our quarterback didn't get his fucking jaw broken like Geno Smith got over in fucking uh, New York. Um Geno Smith got his jaw broken by a linebacker on his own team in the locker room. So he's out, I think, six to ten weeks, which is fucking unreal to have some shit go on like that. I mean, they let go of the dude. He's off the team or whatever. He's probably not going to get signed by another team. (laughs) You go breaking your quarterback's jaw. Um, That's usually not a good look. Um, (laughs) I'd say never a good look. So um, that that's crazy shit. They're saying big things about this rookie dude. If you listen to the sports then, my dude um, Nick Russell over there, he's actually calling for the Jets to be the number one seed in the AFC. So listen to the sports then for delusions like that and more. Um, they all think he's 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 crazy too. So it's not just a crazy ass show. That's just Big Nick, man. Big Nick always has some brave ass. Um, um, predictions. He's always he always comes from left field with this shit, and he will defend that shit to the death. You will hear from him until the Jets are way out of stretch of being number one seed, but they're still gonna make number one seed because that dude, that dude stands by his opinions wholeheartedly. I gotta love Nick, man. He, he's a good dude, and um, like I said, check out the sports den early plug on the show for that. But um, number one seed, man. He's he actually. He was somewhat celebrating, you know, not in a, not a dickhead way, but um, 
Well, Geno Smith out of the way, that means it's closer to the rookie quarterback who he's counting on. Um, he's counting on him carrying them to that one seed. So I, I guess we'll see. Like I said, I, I tend to think that that's a pretty crazy, uh, um, you know, pretty crazy guess on that um, to see that. He's also a Bucks fan who he thinks is going to be fantastic because of Jameis Winston. So, um, you know, we'll see. A lot of big things to be seen in the NFL. Um, Brady suspended, obviously, that's the big story. And I don't know, man. I just I tend to think that Bill Belichick is an animal. And when it comes down to it, he's going to find ways for that fucking team to win. I say they go fucking three and one without Brady. You think about that shit. Brady comes back and watch the fuck out, man. It, it's it's not going to go down as easy as people think. They think Brady's out of the game. The, the Patriots are out of the game. That They haven't watched Bill Belichick and the fucking Patriots then. If that's the feeling on the on the um you know, the uh the guest makers, that shit is crazy. Um they're not an easy team to play. Especially you piss Bill Belichick off. He's not gonna give you a lot on the press conference, but he's gonna put it on on the field with that team. Especially when he's got time to plan like this. It's on like a motherfucker. So um yeah, that that's that's what's going on there. Um Let's see what else I got to think about. Um, I caught the match, the main event match of Triple Mania. Triple um, A down in Mexico does that. And Rey Mysterio was up against Sin Cara or Mystico, or I think he's called something else now. And Rey Mysterio's fucking gear was crazy. He came out with like a Batman suit, kind of. And his gear looked like a Batman suit. And then he had fucking wings that he could make, like, go out all the way, like, fucking wings for his entrance. The shit was crazy. You got to look up and see. I, I put a picture of it on my Facebook. Um, but you you got to go back and see that match, too, because it's crazy. Like, that was a really good match. So all that time that WWE was spending trying to build up Sin Cara, build up Sin Cara, and I think a lot of the – the hopes and dreams were that he was going to feud with Ray, and Ray stayed injured, and Ray stayed injured. Finally, Ray ends up released or, or getting his release or leaving or whatever the case was with Ray, and um, he winds up wrestling the guy, Sincar, in Mexico and, and tearing it the fuck up, man. I mean, they, they killed it. You got to you gotta go watch that. Um, speaking of Lucha, still been meaning to catch up on the uh, Lucha Underground thing. I just I just can't. Like I said, uh, what comes up on my TV is in Spanish, so really hard for me to uh, pay attention to shit because I don't understand what they're saying. Um, so, you know, you can see the action. Maybe I could try, like, muting it and putting music on or some shit, but um, I don't know. Just not used to watching wrestling that way. So um, I know they have the English version you can get online and stuff like that, but, you know, I, I lose track of time and shit. And uh, there's there's a ton of shit I've been meaning to watch, but I just haven't gotten around to it. Um, what else do I got? Just waiting for Matt to call in. Um, let me see. Shit. Um. But yeah. Um. Well, let me let me shout out uh Frank Febo again, man. That dude. Uh. You know he puts that in the graphic shit. Uh, like I said, he he did the graphic for my shirts that are gonna be coming out. I'm a John Zandig guy shirts, and uh, those are in the works right now. So um, I'd say within the next two weeks, 
You're going to hear about these shirts being available. Like I said, there's going to be, man, when it comes down to it, when it comes down to the people who, who already haven't locked in their, uh, you know, their uh, their shirt, you know, people, people already pretty much reserved these shits. So when it comes down to that, there's going to be under, well under 30 left for people to buy. So, guys, you know, you, you got to get in there with these shirts because they're going to be off the chain when I get them. But um, I do believe I have on the line my guest. And, man, this guy is absolutely killing it. King of the death match, back-to-back, tournament of death champion just before king of the death match. Follows it with king of the death match. Followed up by the new CZW World Heavyweight Champion, the Bulldozer, Matt Tremont. What's going on, man? What's up, man? Thank you for having me on, dude. No worries, man. Um, so, yeah, obviously a lot of recent shit going on with you, killing it. Um, we're going to get to that, but let's let's go back first. And um, when you first got started, I know you were a CZW fan. Mm-hmm. How did you, um, you know, make that transition? I mean, I, I, I mean, just just like everybody else, man, grew up a big wrestling fan, and then probably very early two thousands was the first time uh, I got introduced to independent wrestling, and obviously one of those companies early on was CZW. Uh, first first CZW show I ever went to at the arena uh, was No Excuses, to August two thousand two, Lobo Wife Beater, Fans Arena Weapons Main Event, and I was hooked ever since. Uh, after seeing Fake QTV the year prior, I'm like, oh man, I just I got to get to the arena and see a CZW show. Once I finally got to see it live, and I was even more hooked than I already was, and uh, just be, we become a diehard CZW fan and would follow them and other independents. And from really that point on, man, I I, I kind of knew like this was something you know. Once I got to the appropriate age, that I wanted to venture into and be a part of. And obviously, you know, did the backyard stuff for a long time with my buddies, and uh, they, yeah. you know. Some some of them would uh, you know fade away and trickle off, and they would go do other things in their life. And I guess I got to the point late 2006. I'm like, all right, you know, I've done the backyard thing; it was fun. Uh, but I, I want to do I want to do this the right way. I want to go get trained. Uh, you know, I want to learn the ropes. And, and uh, so I would eventually link up with some guys up in Northeast Philly called America's Wrestling Fundraisers, and would start training in late 2006. And in early January 27, 2007, uh, I had my first match in uh, Seaside Heights, New Jersey, for a little company called nice. New Age Wrestling. And it's been I've been off to the races since, man. Oh, that's crazy. I didn't even realize that. That's like 15 minutes from my house. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So who were your guys like growing up? Who were your, who, you know, who were you a big fan of growing up as a wrestling fan? Ah uh, man, I always been an old school guy at heart. It's just th- those were the guys that attracted me, uh, you know, as a as a as a kid growing up. So obviously, uh, Mick Foley was a big influence on me. Uh, I'm a big fan of Terry Funk and Kevin Sullivan, uh, Buzz Sawyer, um, you know, Vader, Stan Hansen, Doctor Death, Steve Williams. You know, bigger guys, old school guys, brawler guys. Those are the guys that caught my eye as a kid that I was a real big fan of. And then once I started to get hot and heavy into independent wrestling, uh, especially like CZW, like, uh, you know, Zandig was a favorite of mine. Obviously, Mick Gage was a favorite of mine. And, and uh, you know, just a lot of the CZW guys were, you know, would uh, have a real big influence on me and I became a real big fan of. Yeah. So when you actually got into CZW, um, I think it was following the Carnage Cup that you did, right? Yes, yes. So, um, I mean, 
how did that work? How did you get into Carnage Cup, and you know, how did you get from there? Pretty much, man. That that whole story, getting into it. I worked like the the first three four years I was in the business. I just worked local, local smaller independents within the tri-state area, mostly Jersey and Delaware at times. And uh, mm-hmm. I was just, you know, I was still in high school, so like I I wasn't given 110 percent to the business yet because I I was still young and still trying to find out what I was doing in life. Uh, but uh, eventually, you know, really, and then you know, I I would move away. I moved to West Virginia and moved back. I moved around a, a bunch of times. Uh, but really, once I moved back to Jersey in 2010, and uh, I linked up with the uh, Devastation Wrestling Federation, uh, Doc, King Kong Bundy's old school, which was now run by Doc Diamond at the time. They were up in Penn Falcon, and uh, buddy, when, this is when I was back living in Atlantic City. Uh, I would I would make the commute twice a week from AC to Penn Falcon, and you know, and retrain and pay dues, and you know, just get my face shown again and start working those shows, and Penn Falcon. And pretty much, and and I haven't done any hardcore at this point, you know, for the first couple of years I was in. And at that time, right. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for the first opportunity to, to get booked for, a, you know, a, a little bit bigger of a promotion and, op- and get an opportunity. And really, and right before the Carnage Cup, uh, Atticus ran a IWA or NWA vintage pro show in Franklinville, New Jersey, and they booked me against right. Wax. Uh, this was the biggest biggest booking I had at the time, and against a against a CZW guy who's you know known for hardcore stuff, and uh, that match you know wasn't the best match in the world, but uh, you know the people that people that were there saw potential in me, and uh, you know at the time there wasn't a lot of new fresh faces, uh, so you know that that really gave me an opportunity to to do something, and uh, because of that match I had with Wax and the people that were there. Like, hey, uh, we got, you know, we're going down to Alabama in a week. Would you like to come on down to Carnage Cup? So I earned a spot, right. you know, in the in the Carnage Cup that year with that match with Wax. And, uh, pretty, you know, and that was just a week after. So within that two-week span, you know, four years in the business already, and, you know, I haven't done much. But in two weeks, I, you know, worked, worked, had a good match with Wax. that got me an opportunity that led to the Carnage Cup. I go down to Alabama for the first time in a, a 15-person conversion van with Danny Havoc and Devin Moore and, and Pinky Sanchez, among others, and uh, wound up going down to, you know, Carnage Cup and having a really good first-round match with Danny Havoc. And then uh, yeah. I'm going to the finals because he got hurt and just everything went well, man. I've just kind of been right place, right time. And just, you know, I, which is how I've gotten these opportunities. So like that wax match was on one opportunity that led to carnage cup. And because of my carnage cup showing with Danny Havoc, uh, pretty much because of Danny Havoc and Devin Moore and a few others putting in a good word, seeing potential into me, which, and which would then later get me a job at CZW uh, that summer. Yeah. So, you know, going into Carnage Cup, because you had done some things and you wrestled Wax and everything else, but going into that and, you know, the amount of violence and that, you know, you ended up in 100 light tubes and all of that stuff, was, was that like a like a shocker? Or, I mean, had you done crazy enough stuff in the backyard to prepare yourself? Uh, I, I, I did some stuff in the backyard, but not, nothing, nothing to the amount of like a Carnage Cup or something like that. I just think... Uh, for me going in, I mean, it, it was my first big road trip with, you know, going anywhere with, you know, with with, with names in the business. And uh, I, th- I think the real, the thing that took me back that, you know, 
I mean, going into it, I was, you know, very nervous. And I think once we finally got to the building and I was, you know, looking at all the gimmicks and just looking at all the light tubes and, and the glass and the barbed wire, uh, for, the fir- for the first time, like, you know, live, I, I, you know, watched countless of deathmatch tournaments on Smart Mark video, you know, growing up and watching wrestling. But now this is the yeah. first time I'm seeing this stuff. This is the first time I'm in a deathmatch tournament, and I'm in there with Danny Havoc, one of the best. So, I, you know, going into it, you know, very green, very young, and just, you know, uh, very nervous and anxious yeah now how did it go you know how did it come about that okay you know you lose first round match and then you know how do you get asked like hey dude got hurt you you're gonna wrestle again because at some point you gotta think your night's over and then yeah yeah, man, pretty much. I think uh, it, it, it's it, it's it's another one of those instances, like kind of like right place, right time, and you know somebody looking at me and like, hey, this this kid wants it, and let's give him an opportunity. So you know, me me and Havoc had you know a very fun first round match, and he goes down in the second with an injury, and uh, you know the promoters are looking at me like, hey, you know, why don't we give this Streamline kid a chance? And uh, you know, fortunately enough for me, I got thrown into the finals, and you know had a pretty decent finals with Pinky and uh, I think Neil Diamond Cutter. Uh, that year, so yeah, man, just just right place, right time, man. Yeah, and you just seemed full steam ahead because it wasn't, you know, it was later that year you went to tournament of death, and um, you know, I mean, pretty big right off the start. You're doing Kenzins, and you know that was following uh, I think Kobayashi doing them, and uh, I mean, what was the thought going into tournament of death? Oh, crazy, man! Uh, lifelong dream, dream come true, you know, sort of thing. Uh, I mean, two two weeks prior, I made my debut at the dub, and I literally hopped the guardrail from the very side I used to sit on for all those years. So, you know, yeah. with a lot of family and friends there. So it was just, it was surreal to me, man, because I, I, I've grown up with the dub since I've been a teenager. It's, I, this, my goal was ever, was just CZW. Everything else, man, for me personally, has just been like, you know, it's just been like the cherry on top. Because um, this it's the company it's the company I grew up with and have always supported and put money into as far as you know buying shirts and DVDs and going to shows for a long time and then to to make that transition from literally hopping the guardrail uh, debuting in the in the arena and then two weeks later going into the big one that is TOD and wrestling the Necro Butcher and Masada so they you know I got I got thrown into a pack of wolves real quick. Uh, but it, it was it was very I was fortunate enough to be in there with the the best of the best as far as this genre and the deathmatch guys go. So I was very fortunate to work with guys like Necro and Masada early on because uh, they were they taught me a lot of my butt in the shape real quick and you know it was, it was an eye opener. They threw me they threw me in there with the best and it just molded me you know and and you know helped me along the ways uh, tremendously. Yeah. And you also went down and wrestled uh, King of the Death Match 2011. And, um, you know, what was it like going in and working with Ian? Obviously, he's got a bad rep from some people. I've never had a problem with him. But, you know, mm-hmm. you go down there, it's a whole other, you know, scene and everything and another legendary death match tournament. What was it like going in there? Crazy, man. I remember uh, going in, like, I, I did TOD. I'm, I'm on cloud nine. Like, I, you know, I, I made it to CZW. You know, I, I earn my job there, and I'm, you know, I'm there every month. And this is right, right around King of the Deathmatch time is really, really when I started to branch off and start working different places. 
And I'll never forget the uh, the initial message I got was from actually from Drake Younger, probably about a month or two prior to, to that King of the Death. And he, he hit me up and he's like, you know, hey, Tremont, would you like to be uh, in this year's King of the Death? And, you know, obviously I, I, I couldn't respond any quicker. And, uh, you know, Ian's, you know, like, like you said, you know, Ian may get a bad rep with somebody, but uh, Ian has always taken care of me as far as me going out there and has given me countless opportunities. And he gave me an opportunity that year to be in my first King of the Death match and go to the finals that year with Drake and Devin and Simon Says. So it's just like, man, another thing of those right place, right time, getting the right opportunities, uh, you know, never getting a big head while doing it and just staying humble and thankful and appreciative of, of all these companies and, and promoters giving me those opportunities. Uh, but, yeah, every time I've always got going out there for IWA and South Ian has always taken care of me. Uh, you know, giving me tremendous opportunities and really good talent to work with, and that's just continued to, you know, just make my, you know, story and, you know, journey, you know, just all of that much easier. Right. Now, uh, you know, you say you, you first round, you go over the Necro Butcher and Tournament of Death, um, King of the Death, you go over Masada and King of the Death. What was the first really surreal moment where, you, you know, you, you know, they're raising your hand in victory, and, you, you know, you're looking like, wow, this is a guy that I was watching. Was that the Necro match, or, you know, was there a moment before that? I, de- I would definitely say it was, at that point in time, definitely the Necro Butcher match, because, you, know, uh, you know, being a fan of Deathmatch Wrestling, you know, at one point in time, Def- you know, Necro was the end-all, be-all. He, was, he literally was, like, you know, the god of wrestling with, within this genre and style of the business. Uh, so definitely, you know... <laughs> you know, not even a month into the company, and I uh, just, you know, beat the Necro Butcher one through three in the middle of the ring at, at TAD in the first round, uh, you know, definitely was a, a testament to the company, you know, giving me, a, you know, a chance early on uh, to be able to go in there with a guy like Necro and, you know, and, and get the W. So, yeah, it was definitely surreal, man, because I've, I've watched Necro matches on tape and, and live, and he's, you know, at, at one point in time, he's definitely, you know, one of the best in the business at what he does. So, yeah, it was def- definitely surreal to, you know, get the hand raised when TOD after the first round's over. And, you know, my, my first big victory in the combat zone is less than a month in, and it's at, at the Necro Butcher's expense. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the next two Tournament of Deaths after that, um, you know, uh, Tournament of Death 11, you went out first round to Kobayashi. But, again, I mean, Kobayashi, he's, you know, such a big name in Japan and everything. And, you know, every time mm-hmm. he came over, he was just immediately over. Yeah, you know, what was your yeah. thoughts going into that? Oh, awesome, man! Like you know, you know, going into those two years back to back with with Kobayashi, uh, and then I missed the following year, and then I worked Kasai. Right, so just right. like you know, wh- whether it's you know one and done, it, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Now I'm going to go in there and do my job. Uh, but being in, but but being in there in the likes of of Kobayashi and guys like Kasai, who are you know pretty much two of the top guys in Japan, uh, it's an honor for me. It's a privilege to me even to be in that ring with those guys. And uh, to have that opportunity at TUD to wrestle Kobayashi and have a pretty good match with, you know, him and then Kasai a couple years later, that was awesome, man. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, then uh, t- King of the Death match was off for a couple years. You go back last year and you win the whole thing. Um, you go in the first round, what a lot of people called match of the night was um, Jesse Amato you had a match with. Um, was that the match you got hurt in? Uh, yeah, <laughs> and it's like after the match too. Like the match is done. Uh, I think the finish was I think a choke slam off the apron and with with two panes of glass, and he only broke through one. So the match is over because it was a best of uh, best of seven World Series of Glass match, and I see him laying there. 
on top of the other pain, and the fans are egging me on. So I'm like, ah, fuck it. Uh, and, of course, that's when I would get injured after the match is over for extracurricular activities after the match. But I, I sliced my hand open pretty bad. Uh, but, I, you know, it wasn't going to stop me from, you know, continuing on. So I, I got in the back and taped it up and, you know, kept on going in the tournament. But uh, it just figured something, something dumb, some dumb little injury like that would happen, and, and the match was over already. Yeah. So, I mean, you had to get through a three-way in the second round, which, I mean, that might have helped things because you had at least, you know, two other guys in there to, you know, help help carry things through. But, I mean, mm-hmm. you got to get through that match, you know, more more brutality and then, you know, meet Josh Crane in the finals. What was your thoughts on, you know, the rest of the day? Uh, just like you said, like, as far as the three-way goes, you know, gave me a little leverage in the second round to kind of uh, – you know, I didn't have to go balls to the wall, but still, still at the same time, give 110 percent. But it kind of helped us tell a little bit of better of a story. And uh, I, you mm-hmm. know, I thought it was a, it was a solid second round match. It's obviously getting ready for the finals, which if I remember, I think it was uh, no rope barbed wire and a bunch of light tubes and panes of glass. Uh, and I know uh, it's matter. It was it was very cool, man. Because you know, the first first two King of the Deaths I do, I go to the finals, and this one I win, and uh, I think that that was with uh, me and Josh Crane that year, who was, you know, at the time on the rise, and, uh, you know, real kid with a you know good head on the shoulders, and uh, I thought we had a really good finals. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, now, you had wrestled for IWA Deep South a bunch. You know, you, you won the Carnage Cup there. It seems, you know, they've really built themselves higher and higher. I don't know if higher is the right word, but they seem to be devolving somewhat where the owner's putting out statements like, you know, if you, if all you do is light tubes and barbed wire, don't look to get booked. And, you know, we're doing crazier than that. Like what's mm. your thoughts on that, man? I mean, you're dominating the deathmatch scene. You're obviously not mm-hmm. a guy on, on hardcore, but you know, bad for the business or, it's it's tough, man. It's it's a, it's a two way street, and how I look at it as obviously when I was you know first breaking in as far as death matches goes, you know Carnage Cup is one of the four big tournaments, and it's if you're, if you're trying to make a name for yourself, uh, obviously it's one of those tournaments that's going to sell a lot of DVDs and get your name out there. So you want to go out there and you know especially if you're you're breaking out and trying to make a name for yourself, you want to go out there and do some crazy things to get noticed. Because uh, that's what the fans, are, you know, you know, a majority, I guess, of the fans are looking for. You know, who, who's that next guy to come, you know, to break out and do some crazy stuff? Um, right. I, I, I've, I've seen some of the stuff that you were talking about that Kevin has put out on social media and talk about, as far as you know, t- you know, going that next level and kind of like you know, violence for the sake of violence a lot of times. And I think my, my, yeah. my you know, and, and nothing against them personally because Kevin's always been good to me. He's given me opportunities. Right, right. Uh, but I guess my, my personal perspective on a lot of that now is, you know, being in the business eight years, you know, doing death matches for a while now and accomplishing really everything there is to do uh, within this genre of wrestling. As far as the craziness goes, I definitely think there is a line to draw. Um, and, yeah. you know, I, you have to protect yourself. You have to, you, you, especially going to this, in this style of wrestling, you know, you, you want to go out there and have a crazy good match, but also at the same time you want to take care of yourself and you want to take care of the person you're in there with. And you can still have a good, you can still tell a really good story and have the violence. Uh, and something, and you don't even need weapons half the time. But obviously going to those deathmatch tournaments, you want the light tubes and the barbed wire. But uh, you know, for 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 him to put a statement out like that, uh, I mean, like at the end of the day, that's just you know that's who he is and that's what he likes. Uh, but for you know for hmm. someone like myself, for someone like myself. You know, 
you know, there is a line now and there's stuff, you know, I won't do now compared to what I did when I first broke in. And that's just being, sure. you know, sm- smarter, smarter on my body, uh, smarter for longevity, you know, in the business. Uh, but, you know, I mean, if, if I'm a promoter per se, those are, those, those aren't things I would go out on social media and, and, and put out. Yeah. Understandable. Um, well, speaking of things that, um, you might not do again, um, you had the feud with DJ. Um, you guys went, you know, pretty much a year um, feuding. Uh, that that tangled web match, man. That that bump that I see, you know, you come off scaffold. Uh, you, <laughs> I still cringe seeing that bump, man. Like, what what was the thought process going into that? I mean, it obviously couldn't have went down the way you guys planned that. Like, how did <laughs> what happened there? I mean, that shit was it, absolutely painful. It, it was a rough one, man, and I don't even remember actually hitting my t- hitting my head on the table coming down until I watched yeah. it. Um, but I, I, dude, look at look at, to be you know perfectly honest. Looking back on that match and actually and, and that whole feud with DJ and that match in particular, like I, I obviously I knew the, that that in, that bump in, in particular was going to come. Uh, we you know the the structure we we were standing on uh, wasn't it was it was a very sketchy structure. It wasn't you know it wasn't the best structure to be you know. And me and DJ are two big guys. You know, to be climbing right. on top of that, to be climbing on top of that structure it was very sketchy. It was moving around, so it really was one of those things. All right, we got to go up here and just and, and do it. I think we could, we might have been able to position ourselves a little better, uh, but and obviously, you know, as as gruesome as it came off to me, you know, you know, unfortunately, you know, you know, getting cut up as as bad as I did, but that's the name of the game sometimes. So I'm not going to complain as far as that is. But I really look, I mean, I look back at that Tangle Web bump from that match as kind of like a, bl- a blessing in disguise, man, because, you know, I think it was that it was that first kind of big bump I took that people remember, mm-hmm. and it, it generated one of those moments where, all right, I got to go to the back and get, and, and get taped up, and I'm going to come back up here. I'm going to come back out of here, house of fire, and really have this crowd behind me because I have, like, one of those, you know, Terry Funk-esque moments where I'm coming back out here, and he's all bandaged up, and, he, you know, he's still going to come out of here and continue. So I always look at that at that bump now. I never regret it. I I, I would do it again, and uh, I just yeah. I always look at it as as a blessing in disguise, man. Because you know that match in particular uh, made me a made man in the eyes of the fans. I think, and they they knew I'd be willing to go to heights and take crazy bumps for their entertainment. And uh, I just think it, it really helped that match and helped the story with me and him, and it, it just intensified everything from there. So yeah, man, it it it, it was rough. You know, a hundred a hundred and. 30 plus stitches and you know, a lot of hours in the hospital getting me stitched up. But, you know, every day I look at the, at my left arm and they're with no regrets. Yeah. What was the worst injury you've gotten thus far and, and what did it come from? Uh, I, I would probably say that, man. I mean, you know, knock on wood, you know, I've never had any broken bones, you know, just, you know, yeah. for a while, for, for a while there, virtual hospital and Voorhees was seeing me quite often uh, because, and, and I'm not one, you know, if it's not too bad, I'll just super glue it so I don't have to get stitches and I, you know, because I don't mind the scars and you, you can't mind that stuff when you're doing the style of wrestling. Uh, but for, right. for a while there, for a while there, the hospital became very well known to my name. And, uh, but I yeah. think that's yeah. probably, probably the biggest one would be that tangle web. It was legit like 136 something stitches, you know, callous. I had four, I had four nurses at one time stitching my arm back together. Uh, so that, that that would probably be the biggest one, and probably the most scary. That probably could have been a lot worse, but wasn't. 
but it was still bad was uh, when I wrestled Danny Havoc at Cage of Death uh, in the Bed of Nails match, and my boot, uh, the Bed of Nails went through my boot uh, into my yeah. into my foot. So that that was pretty bad. It could have been a lot worse, but you know, thankfully not. But uh, those are probably the probably the you know two of the worst of things I've been involved with. And you know, like I said, knock on wood, no broken bones. Sure. Um, now, you know, following that DJ feud, um, you started off the next year. I think you had a match with um, um, Tommy Dreamer. And mm-hmm. um, DJ went on his shoot, and he had said that following that match with Tommy Dreamer, he decided that you were still green, and he, he decided mm-hmm. to pretty much demote you at that point. I mean, yeah. I, I think that's kind of harsh. I, I mean, did you feel that that – I mean, you've obviously even come a long way since then, but how much yeah. – you know, was there truth to what he was saying or – uh, it, it it was tough at the time, man, because it, it was myself, Dreamer, and Rory in the three way, and I'm just coming mm-hmm. off Cage of Death. I'm just coming off winning Cage of Death, literally standing on top of the cage at the end of the I pay per view, you know, and I was you know over like Rover, and like I you know I couldn't yeah. have gotten any bigger at that couldn't have gotten any bigger at that time except you know probably you know getting the belt or something like that. And then going sure. into the next month, I didn't find out what I was doing that day until that day of the show, and so I'm like. I just, I get, and I, you know me, man, like, I show up and I do my job. I don't play politics. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't get involved right. in any of that stuff and, and never have. Um, but obviously the match wasn't the best match in the world. I think I, 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 I but I took a lot of the heat of it, So I, which I, I, I scratched my head, but I didn't question it because, you know, I, I, st- I was there for, you know, almost there two years at the time, and I don't want to ruffle any feathers or step on anybody's toes. So I just went with the flow. But really, man, like, I, I've talked about it before, uh, like that, that whole 2013, it was just, uh, I like, like personally, even when I wasn't at the shows, I would question myself. I'm like, man, what, what, what am I doing wrong? Or what did I do to somebody in the company for me to like, I guess, like you said, yeah, or as he said in the shoot, really get demoted throughout the year. Cause it, it was, uh, 2013 on, uh, personally and professionally for me in and outside of the ring, uh, was a very tough year. And I, 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 I try not to think about 2013 a lot. Uh, but like, uh, especially, you know, for my life outside the ring, just a lot of things going wrong. Uh, and then like, and, and things were kind of tough in CZW, but you know, me and Gacy were in that feud for a majority of the year and we tried to make the best of it, but I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think the company was really behind it and, you know, really had faith in it. And me and Joe were just trying to do best with what, and make do with what we had. Uh, but in the mm. end, yeah, man. It was too, I, but I, I look at this, and I just I told a buddy of mine this the other day. Uh, really, how there's a lot of people say like, oh man, what what happened to Tremont? Like he was on top of the world, and then he got pushed down. And I look at it now, yeah. man. It's another one. It's another one of those things where it was a learning experience, and I think I I, I even look at it as another blessing in disguise. Uh, just t- taught me to you know continue to stay humble and thankful for just even having a position in the company. And, uh, and and still not get wrapped up and like, hey, well, you know, I deserve this or I deserve that because I'm just not that type of person. Um, right. I look I look I look back on the years as a learning experience, man. And I got I got through the as I say a lot trials and tribulations and just toughed it sure. out, man. And you know, just continue to look forward to the future because really after at 2013 I started working a lot of different places. So like th- things may have been uh, you know kind of you know on the on the bed and, and the dub, but I was you know doing a lot of good good stuff at a lot of other promotions. So I wasn't trying to get you know too down about it. But I looked at it, man, just like I said, a learning experience. And uh, 
obviously further down the road, things will get better and really turn around and, you know, look where I am now. So I, I definitely, you know, look at that as a big learning experience. Sure. Uh, well, 2013 ended with um, actually being able to be, and, you know, it was only, you know, for somewhat of an angle and it wasn't like a full wrestling match, but you got to be able to be in a cage of death that involved Nick Mondo. You know, what was your thoughts on that and you know, how did you feel about that? Oh, awesome, dude. I mean, like, I mean, you know, you know, growing up, you know, for an old school dub fan, you know, Mondo is one of the pioneers and one of the guys that, you know, laid the ultraviolet foundation, you know, in order for, you know, guys like me to even do what I'm doing today. So I didn't know till that day. I was surprised when I seen him in the locker room. And uh, to yeah. be able to have that, you know, it's 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 a bucket list type thing, man. It's, uh, you know, another notch under the belt. You know, to be able to share that moment on top of the cage with Nick Mondo, who hasn't been there in like 10 years, to come back and kick me off the cage, that was awesome, man. It's something I'll always have and cherish. Yeah. And then going into 2014, you started to, you know, definitely kick up, you know, your momentum again. You got to wrestle Jun Kasai, some matches with Danny Havoc. Um, it, towards the, um, what was it? Um, shit. It was towards the end of the year. You wrestled uh, Chris Dickinson in New York. Uh, there was one scary spot with the fence on the outside. The fence was uh, from the guardrail to the ring, and you took a, just a crazy power bomb into that thing. Um, <laughs> you know, what was your thoughts on that match overall? And, and I mean, that bump. Uh, they were crazy, man. I, I wrestled Dickinson the week before too uh, at Interspecies, and we had a quite a pretty crazy match. And then we go at it the following week in New York at CZW. Uh, my idea for the bump, which usually it always is, so I set up my own death half the time. Um, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he didn't get me up all the way, or you're just saying you know, I'm a big guy. So, but uh, you know, try, try right. to be, I know he's you know trying to be as safe as possible. Uh, but it, it was definitely a gnarly looking bump, and uh, you know, thank thank God it was, it was a fence cage because I think if it was something solid like a table, I probably would have got uh, hurt a lot more than I you know you know would have. But uh, you know. Out of that bump, you know, came out pretty unscathed. But the, both of the matches I had with Dickinson, man, we went in each time and really fucking went at it. And I, I had a lot of fun working with them. Yeah. And, I mean, Sozio and Biff Busick had to follow that in a no-rope-bar wire match that neither one of them are really accustomed to doing. So, pretty yeah. crazy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, that year continued. Um, towards the end of the year, um it hit kind of another weird spot where a lot of fans, including myself, were questioning it. And it was, you know, you ended up in the year in a food fight death match with, uh, you know, Greg and Sexy Eddie and Bucks Belmar. And, you know, it, it, you know, those guys are all talented, but it came off, you know, as more of a comedy filler match on a card. That's cage mm-hmm. of death. And, I mean, you're, you're the guy. I mean, you're quickly becoming the face of CZW. Everyone's going, what do you mean he's in that match? That that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> DJ's um, was... explanation was that he was trying to preserve Matt Tremont's career, which is hilarious when you see the year that follows. <laughs> but you know what happened? I think uh, not really sure because I know like I, I came out of that tangle match, tangle web match a few months prior with Devin Moore, and I was like. I was teasing retirement and stuff online, and I had you know I, I you know one of my favorite matches from last year was that Tango Web match, and 
I don't know if I, I guess it was type of the thing where where do we go next with the kid? And I think it's always kind of been my trouble sometimes. Definitely definitely going uh-huh. back to like two thousand thirteen, you know, what are we gonna do with Matt Tremont? And sometimes maybe that's where I should step up and say, maybe throw some ideas around but it, like, you know, yeah. just me being mean, like I'm gonna do whatever I'm I'm gonna be told. So like and then going into that cage of death, obviously from a fan perspective, like Matt Tremont's in a food fight match. That's not what we want to see him in. Uh, but I, 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 don't, I guess like to, to try to preserve uh, my career and all that, you know, I, I've had to talk to a lot of times with the veterans, like, hey, Matt, you got to slow down and stuff like that, so you can have longevity and have a long career, which, which I, you know, which, which I've done. I'm, you know, working a lot smarter these days, you know, compared to when I was, you know, really going balls to the wall early on. Not saying I'm not giving 100, 110% now, but definitely working a lot of smarter with the death matches. Uh, but going into, right, going, right. Into that, going into that tag match at Cage of Death, I was like, hey, man, you know, for me personally, it was something different. You know, what I what I love personally to be in the Cage of Death, yes, you know, every year, of course, man. You know, it's, 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 it's the big match, and, you know, it's you know it's something I would do every year if they asked me to. Uh, but then, you know, sure. I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in the food fight match, and I'm in there with, you know, three really good guys, Sexy Eddie's big return, and, Bucks and you know Greg, who's a, a costume professional and you know one of the longer tenure guys in the company. So I actually looked kind of I look I was really looking forward to that tag match of Cage of Death and it was, was a lot easier on the body that night. Yeah, and uh, you know I, I just tried to have fun and make it as entertaining as possible. Sure, and you mentioned the Tango Love match um, and um, you with the retirement thing, and um, I, I believe I was at home watching that on I pay per view and. Um, is that when you did the retirement promo? Yes, yeah. That was uh, yeah. if I had to if I had to toot my own horn, you know, for once, it was my idea. That that whole month going into that match, I I presented an idea to DJ. I'm like, hey, because uh, you know, going into that Tangle Web, the whole feud was really me and Danny Havoc. But Danny unfortunately got hurt in Japan, so you know, Devin Moore stepped up and took the spot, and that was the Tangle Web match. And I I felt like I I felt like the match needed some you know added excitement or to generate something going into it to get the people talking a little bit more. So that whole month going into it, I you know I kept tweeting out and writing out you know uh, that journey separate ways song, and I was going to go my separate ways and find, and leave CZW and tease retirement. So after that match, I, that's when we I did the whole you know retirement angle and I, I retired and then I stopped at yeah. the entrance. And then I came back and I said, wait, 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 I can't retire yet because I got one left, you know, at least one more le- you know, thing left to do here because I haven't faced one guy, you know, I, I still want to face. And obviously that's Gage. So it was, you know, I, I tried playing yeah. those seeds even way before he, you know, the, you know, he came back, yeah. you know, in, in, uh, in April. So, you know, the, it, you, I, I mean, I definitely wasn't going anywhere. Uh, but I felt like it was, a, it was, uh, you know, something, something cool to do to generate some interest in a match you know, to help that even further, and then to plant some seeds for me and Nikki even later. So I thought it was fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, I was home watching it on iPay-Per-View. You're cutting this fucking promo, and I'm fucking typing on your wall. Thanks for everything you've done, <laughs> man. You're fucking – you finished that. Yeah, I already hit send. You finish this shit, I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> how, many, how many messages did you get thanking you before you got home? <laughs> Probably a lot, man. I think, uh, like I said, I don't, you know, I won't toot my own horn or anything like that. But like I, I, I came, you know, came up with the idea, and you know, re- people thought I was, I was legitimately done, and like, you know, hook, line, and sinkers. So I, if the fans were able to bite on it and really get into it, so like, you know, they were emotionally invested into that angle, and you know, that little bit of a tease. 
Uh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> even even a couple of days afterwards, because apparently I think I don't know if the IP review might have went, it, it might have cut off for some people when I came back to the ring. So for some <laughs> people that were watching it live, uh, they were they were uh, you know known, they were aware to the fact that I did retire and didn't see the me come back and you know out and say I'm not going anywhere. Uh, so some people definitely did thought I was legit done. So yeah, I got I got quite a few messages of you know the preceding next few days following that. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely bought it. And um, you know, over over the years of your career, I mean, your your promos have have gotten just unbelievable. Um, I mean, that was definitely a clear example. But you know, what have you done over the years to get your promo ability so everybody praises? I mean, they could be not be deathmatch fans whatsoever, and they hear your promos and you hear this this guy, this guy. You know, um, mm-hmm. I mean, how did you how did you work that up the way you did? I I appreciate that, man. I think uh, like as far as like in ring work, uh, you know, promo stuff has always meant the most to me because obviously I'm uh, I'm not the best technical wrestler in the world, but I don't need to be. That's not what people pay to see my Tremont to do. Uh, but, you know, growing up, I was always a big promo guy and, and fan of guys talking. Uh, you know, one, one of my favorites as far as independent wrestling goes was always Eddie Kingston. So I, I would watch him a yeah. lot. And just just as far as guys' delivery, uh, mannerisms and facials and just really – because you can really tell a good story and just talking and really put, you know, put, put butts in the seats and it makes your job in the ring a lot easier if you can, you know, talk well. And, you know, fortunately enough, that's one of my better attributes. And I just – I really enjoy – uh, talking and, and doing the promos, and I've, you know, definitely got a good grasp of it over the last couple of years and really found myself and found my own and, you know, my own style and, you know, how I say words and stuff like that. So when I when I hear, hey, Matt Schumann's, you know, a good promo guy, that really means a lot to me. And like you said, and even like non-deathmatch fans and stuff. So like, you know, anytime I, you know, have the opportunity to grab a mic and tell a story, you know, I always look forward to it and I'm fortunate enough to do so. So, you know, when I hear that, man, it means a lot. Yeah, um, IWS had relaunched, and um, you know you've been a part of what IWS is doing in Canada. Um, obviously, you know, I'm sure you saw the DVDs back when they were doing their thing, and you know all these same guys, these you know Crazy F and Manny and Sexy Eddie and Green Phantom were all doing their thing. What was it like going out there and working, you know, with that company? Ah, uh, very cool, man. Oh, like I like like you said, you know, another company growing up and watching and buying DVDs of and. You know, in particular, Sexy Eddie and Green Phantom and, like, uh, with the Hardcore Ninjas and Arsenal and all them guys. So I was aware of them from, you know, the, the few times they came over to CZW, you know, in the early years. So, like, going, you know, after their their relaunch, uh, and since they've been back, man, they've, they've been really doing good business. And uh, each time I've been over there, they've been uh, real, really real, very intricate venues and just have really drawn well and a lot of really good crowds. And I've been able to work with Sexy Eddie, and I just I, at the last show I wrestled Green Phantom one on one, so that was very cool, man. Another company off the bucket list I wanted to work for, and got the opportunity to work with guys that you know continuing. You know, I got to grow up and watch like Eddie and Phantom. So very cool. Nothing but good things to say about them guys. Yeah, and you mentioned venues, and um, obviously you know working the legendary ECW arena, and. Um, you know, Beyond has a really cool venue, um, the balcony and everything. What's your favorite venue that you've worked thus far? Uh, def- I would definitely have to say probably the the Fet Music and Beyond. Man, they have. Uh, it's probably you know outside of CZW and and On Point, uh, it's definitely one of my favorite you know promotions to work for. And they have really created and generated and a very organic and. Uh, 
you know, uh, really creative atmosphere, and the fans are right up there against you in the ring, and that that whole building and uh, atmosphere there in general is really awesome to perform in front of. And I, I I worked stockade at the last show. We had a casket match, and the crowd was just really awesome for it, man. And they just, you know, they can uh, they can really make a bad match like good, or just and they can help intensify a good match to make it even better just because of how enthusiastic they are into the product, you know, that they're that they're watching. So they're definitely beyond, and uh, wrestling in that building right now will probably be my favorite venue. Nice. Um, so you go in the Tournament of Death 14. You know, it's a huge show. You go in, um, you wrestle Danny Havoc, and uh, well, Josh Crane and Danny Havoc, and then Connor Claxton in the finals. Um, the mm. tournament didn't get the best reviews from people, and, um, you know, I mean, it's it's a hard thing to follow a tournament with Jun Kasai going to the finals against Masada. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure there were other factors as well, but I mean, that's that's just a hard act to follow. So, you know, the previous tournament of deaths being one of the best ever. You know, what was your thoughts going into this tournament of death, and you know, what was your thoughts on how it went down? I I definitely agree with that man because last last year's was so good, so it's it's definitely hard to top that or or at least try to continue uh, as good as quality as uh, to the thirteen was. I uh, just think mindset right. going into it. I think as far as me for me personally, uh, the the better match I had of the, of the day was me and Josh Crane in the first round. Uh, mm-hmm. Second round, me, me and Danny Havoc wasn't too bad. And as far as the finals go, I, you know, I, obviously I'd go online and read things. And uh, you know, I I think I I think as far as like gimmicks and stuff, the finals could have been more. Uh, but and what I've told people is, I mean, we there really wasn't anything much else left because really, me and Connor, the only thing we really had in the finals uh, was the two contraptions hanging off the side and literally that log cabin of light tubes. That's all we had left, and that was all that was all that was left in the back. So we didn't have much fun to play with, and I felt like. Uh, you know, I read things online. The finals were, you know, a little underwhelming and stuff like that, which I can, you know, agree and attest to a little bit. But I think at the end of the day, uh, I don't think anybody was really too legitimately mad because I, I finally won TUD, so people were pretty happy. So that, you know, sure. that made me feel that made me feel good, man. But I definitely feel like we could have let, went in a little bit more as far as the finals. But I felt like my first two round matches were good, and then. Uh, but I think I think the key thing coming out of this year's tournament, there was a lot of good from a lot of other people too. Ricky Shane Page came in and tore it up. Uh, I thought the non-tournament yeah. matches were really good. So guys that were brought in to shine and give oppor- opportunity to, they definitely exceeded expectations and they really fucking did their thing. Uh, but uh, it was awesome, man. Like it's just another thing, you know, being an old school Dub fan at heart. You know, TD was, you know, a, a tournament I went to live as a kid. And, you know, now it's something I can say I won and competed in, you know, numerous times now. And now I can come home and look at this gigantic trophy that sits in front of my TV that blocks blocks my blocks my viewing. But, uh, now, nah, man, it was, <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome, like, you know, to, to have TD under my belt. And that was the last one I had to win, uh, you know, thankfully to, uh, you know, be the first guy to win all four in the U.S. So that was cool, man. You know, yeah. you know pe- people get on DJ a lot, but. You know, appreciative of the opportunities he gave me, man. Because at the end of the day, he's the boss man, giving a yes and a no. And uh, you know, to be able to win TOD and 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 do all that, man, dream come true for you know, kid from Jersey that just wanted to bleed black and yellow for the dub and continue what John and others built in '99. I mean, I'm able to do that still today. So that's that's what it means to me. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, Connor Claxton went into the tournament with amazing matches against each one of the Nation of Intoxication. 
you know, the mm-hmm. Deathmatch Trial Series to go into there, just tore it completely down. Do you think they jumped the gun a little bit, putting them all the way to the finals this year? Uh, I, I think – I don't think – I would say no for me personally because uh, obviously, like, as far as breath of fresh air, he's really – he's really – that's going to be at the double on a, on a consistent basis. He is the only new, you know, new face as far as death matches goes. And, and, and just like you said, he, uh, that, that entire death match trial series, he killed it and got some really good color oh, yeah. and had, re- and had really good, like he had an old school wife beater back after that match with Danny Havoc. And he really, <laughs> yeah, he, went above, he, he went above and beyond man and really like proved his worth as far as death matches in the company. Um, I, I, but I, I can definitely see, you know, um, what CZW wanted to do with him to like, all right, you know, if, if there's a chance to give to uh, continue this kid's push and give him the rub going into the finals and working with me, uh, so no, I, I don't I don't think it was a detriment at all to him. I think uh, and and he and he's still so young into his CZW career where I don't think it hurt him at all. You know he he's over and popular with the fans and he's in a group of guys that the, that, that the group of fans love in Danny Havoc and Devin Moore and Lucky. So now the kid's in good hands and he's going to have a hell of a career at CZW. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, you know, they're they're drawing this out a lot, and, you know, it definitely has its good sides to it. And um, you have the looming Nick Gage feud. And a lot of people had thought, like, man, what would be the ultimate payoff of Tournament of Death than to have you and Nick Gage meet in the finals? And I know mm-hmm. they want to hold it out for a different thing, but was there any discussion mm-hmm. of, of doing that? Uh, I, I don't think so, man. And like, and I, and I'll be honest with you here. Like, uh, numerous companies, uh, have hit me up once Nikki got out to try to, to try to jump the gun and do myself and Nick Gage one-on-one for the first time. Cause, uh, and I've told all those companies, no. So like, if anybody ever asks like, Oh, how, how come Matt Tremont and Nick Gage ain't going to happen here? Ain't going to happen there. It's, it's, because personally, uh, for me, uh, if you know it, when, when the match does happen, there's only go, there's only one ring that I will personally do it in, and that's in the CZW ring. And that's nothing against the promoters and the promotions that hit me up, but just growing up a, a diehard CZW fan. And DJ never, and this wasn't even something DJ put me up to. I told him personally, I'm like, this is this is for the fans of CZW, this is for CZW, and for personally to myself, when it does happen, it's only going to happen in one ring, and it's in those black and yellow ropes because that's the only place it should happen for the first time. Right. Um, so, yeah, going forward just after Tournament of Death, you go into King of the Death Match 2015. A lot of people are calling this one of the best death match tournaments of all time. Um, first night you go in, uh, the, the rain is coming down like crazy. They pull the tarp <laughs> off the ring, and it, there's puddles in the ring under the tarp. I, I, don't know how, I don't know how you even manage to put puddles under a tarp, but they did it. Um, they get the ring kind of cleaned up. They run a couple non-tournament matches. Um, you end up wrestling Tank. The lights are going out. Um, <laughs> you got to – I mean, the lights are blowing out. The rain's, like, threatening to come back in any minute. Um, you guys are pretty much wrestling in the dark. I think you guys put on the best – my favorite first-round match. Um, you know, what was it like going into that match? And, obviously, Tank's a great guy and you know, a great guy to work with, but – Mm-hmm. I mean, how did you guys manage pulling that match off with the lights on and off? And it's crazy. It was it it it, it was tough, man. Obviously, like you know, uh, we knew the weather was coming that day, and every everyone knew it. Just it was a matter of when it was going to come down. And then you know, it starts to come down, and 
me and Tank get out there. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're bigger guys, man. And Tank's bigger than me. So like, we're trying to move around and not slip and, you know, potentially break our necks, just slipping in the ring. It was probably out of the death match. The most, probably the most dangerous thing in that match was, you know, slipping and falling because of the rain. Uh, but no, right. I, 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 I appreciate you liking the match and thinking it was, you know, one of your favorite in the first round. Cause it was a lot of fun, man. I, I, I worked tank at the carnage couple, a couple of years ago. And then, you know, we had the match at King of the death. And so like, yeah, we, I, I, you know, when you're in there with a professional and, and, and a veteran that knows what he's doing, man, you know, it's, it was a lot of fun for me personally to work with them. And, uh, you know, I, we, we adjusted to the elements and, uh, you know, did our best with, uh, you know, all the puddles and shit. Yeah. Shit. Um, so then, you know, day two, you go in, um, you got J.D. Horror, who, you know, is, uh, you know, pretty new to a lot of faces, and, um, you know, he's been doing his thing out in California, and, um, you know, what was your thoughts on working J.D. Horror? A lot of fun, man. He's another guy I, I, I worked with at Carnage Cup, I think, a year or two prior. Uh, oh, okay. I think as far as, I think as far as, uh, you know, West Coast wrestling, uh, well, West Coast death matches, you know, it, it seems to be, you know, on the, on, you know, on the rise a little bit of the gang because I've you know for a long time it was just XPW and then after that there really hasn't been much going on so I think is like he's probably he's pretty much the face of West Coast you know wrestling as far as death matches goes and I think he's he's a really solid performer and worker and I, I had a lot of fun working with him man and I think he had a he had a really good showing at King of the Death so I I hope a lot of people you know know, know who JD Horror is now yeah yeah for sure. Um... The next round, you got Masada, but you guys had to follow Nick Gage and John Wayne Murdoch going 50 minutes in a death match. I mean, how do you guys work out something that's going to – and you guys did. I mean, you went in there, you gave them something completely different. Um, mm-hmm. Again, the, the night rolled in, and you were working against the dark. It, it was a yeah. really, really cool atmosphere because they had the cars pulled up and you had the headlights lighting the ring for the most part. It was crazy, and you guys tore it up. But what was your thoughts going into that match, knowing you had to follow a fifty-minute death match? <laughs> it was pretty funny in the back, you know, you know, getting ready for that, and obviously, uh, you know, working Masada, who's one of the best, and then you're you're, you're watching Gage and Murdoch uh, have one of the longer death matches in history. And you're at one point you're like, all right, uh, what are we going to do now? But, uh, you know, Brig being the professional that he is and him being as good as he is, man, we, we went out there. I don't think we didn't go 50. I, I would say we definitely won a strong 25 or 30. But, uh, yeah, right. man, I think it's probably, probably the, the most fun match I had at the tournament because, man, we just we went in there, you know, on the fly and just, you know, or, organic atmosphere and match and just went out there and just, you know, winged it and just did our thing, man. And uh, I had a lot of fun working with Sada. It was a lot of fun, and especially especially not trying to top what just happened before us, but just to, to keep that energy and have a good match after what Gage and Murdoch just did, which I, I, I think we, we definitely did. And, and then, you know, going off of that, to go into the finals against John Wayne Murdoch, <laughs> who, you know, was the hometown guy. He was, you know, a lot of people, including myself, on the drive down, I'm going, this is John Wayne Murdoch's tournament. He's winning this, you know. And then yeah. as the tournament's going, I'm like, well, you know, it does make a lot of sense to send Tremont because he teased it two times in a row and never been done before. And I really mm. didn't expect it. Um, you go into that finals, you got House of Horrors, which is really cool. I've never seen that live before. I've seen it on tape. But, um, you know, the House of Horrors, you got the crazy scaffold spot. Um, what were your thoughts on that final match of the, the night? 
Uh, I, I, I'll agree with you visually. Like that, that was the you know, first time seeing a House of Horrors match uh, live. I've seen the one that uh, Corp and me, Mitch Page, did years ago. Uh, but it was very mm-hmm. cool visually to have the light tubes hanging. So, you know, definitely had the, as far as the presence visually for a finals, I think it had it. And obviously, like you said, Murdoch's the hometown boy. They've been in, he wrestles there weekly. That's his fan base. That's his home. And they've been building him up. And then, you know, he, he had three grueling matches in the tournament. I had three grueling matches in the tournament. So we clashed and we collided. And like you said, I definitely, I'll agree with you. I don't think people actually really expected me to go, to go back to back. And then, the, you know, to take that big scaffold bump, you know, through the stack of chairs and the light tubes and to come back in and then uh, and, and and pick up the victory, man. It was very surreal and, you know, uh, you know, just another notch under the belt to say I was the first, you know, to be back-to-back king of the death matches. And for all the guys that have won that, you know, to be the first to do that, man, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, you know, they set that scaffold up and the chairs and everything else. And, you know, as, as they're setting the ring up, I'm walking around and talking to people, and you could just hear the constant clamoring, Destroyer, Destroyer, what are you, like, crazy? What are, you know, was there talk <laughs> of the Destroyer coming off of that thing? Uh, I, I, I think so, man, but I think that's one of those things where uh, longevity comes into play and working a little smarter, <laughs> yeah. but, but still, you uh-huh. know, still, still, still wanting to take a crazy bump and give the fans a, a big bump. Uh, so I just, you know, I took the, you know, the, the good old Vic Grimes Beal off the top of the scaffold, uh, but Canadian destroyer, like they saw it earlier with him and Chuck, with him and Devin Moore. So I thought, you know, that, that, that was good enough. I'm going to take this crazy bump off the scaffold and through the chairs and the light tubes. But, uh, yeah, that, that's one of those times where I'm, I'm a lot smarter. Like maybe five years ago, I probably would, oh yeah, yeah, yeah let's do a Canadian destroyer off this thing and, you know, see how All it right. goes. But, uh, that, that was me definitely, uh, being a little bit smarter now and trying to think of my future. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, it was definitely uh, good enough, as you say. I mean, when you take that bump off the thing and the fans are chanting, please get up, I mean, you, you got to know you pretty much accomplished what you set out to do, right? Uh, for sure, man. Like, I, 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 I went to Ian earlier today. I'm like, you know, I, I really want to, you know, give him something to remember. And, and like, I, I didn't get to take a big bump at the at the previous year's car, at the King of the Death. So I'm like, man, I really want to take a big bump this year and, you know, during the finals and, really make make Murdoch a made man because he really had a lot of momentum throughout the tournament and he was really the favorite. So I really wanted him to just give me everything and take a lot of punishment for, you know, for, you know, especially to, you know, to come out on the end of victory, uh, you know, to, you know, like, oh man, he, he took all this punishment and still came out, you know, the winner of the tournament. So I think makes me look good, still makes Murdoch look strong and, and shine. Uh, but o- overall, I know, you know, going back to you know how you started the the convo, I would definitely say that I think out of all the tournaments so far this year, uh, King of the Death matches is definitely the best tournament that's happened this year. Probably one of the better uh, King of the Death matches of all time. Uh, so if mm-hmm. you're a Death Match fan and you're looking to you know just watch a really good solid tournament, man, you know go to Smart Mark and pick up King of the Death 2015 right away. Yeah, for sure. Now you know in CCW you, you got not only the tournament of death. You go into this feud of Black Keys and and you come out, you come out world champion. You know what? What's your thoughts about the whole feud? How everything's going and what's it like being CZW world champion after all this time of you know being the face of CZW prior to that being a fan of the faces of CZW. It 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 really is surreal, man. And I think in. And it, 
for me personally, it, it all goes back to like not toot my own horn because that's just not how I am. It means a lot to me. It's very special. You know, the company putting stock into me going into the future, going into pay-per-view, and, you know, they want Max Schumacher to, to be the face and have the belt. Uh, but I was, for, for me personally, you know, that I want to say so everybody else here is I was very fortunate enough uh, to work with G's over since since May, you know, a veteran in the company. He's been there for a very long time, and uh, you know, the guy's a constant professional and, and knows how to work well. So I was I was put in the position to work with a lot of with really good guys uh, to help to make me look even better and to really tell a good story. And uh, that, I think that was definitely a testament to that uh, on Saturday. Uh, with a guy like Pepper Parks, who's been there for a while now, but I don't think really, you know, hasn't had that moment to really shine in front of the eyes of the Doug fans. And we were there, you know, we had the match on Saturday, and I thought we really had a really good one. And I think it's one of those matches now, like, hey, you know, let's let's give Pepper Parks his, you know, his props and some respect for what he did on Saturday. And then me and G's, I think we've, you know, have had really good chemistry working. And so I, I think, for, you know, for me overall, I was just personally thankful to be in there with three professionals uh, in Cherry Bomb, Pepper Parks, and Black G's uh, to, you know, put me in a position to shine and tell a good story. And that's, you know, because, you know, <clears throat> I'm not, you know, not a selfish person at all. And especially within this business, you got to realize it takes two to tango and tell a really good story for a wrestling match. So I was thankful to be able to work with guys like G's and Pepper Parks and Cherry Bomb throughout the course of that day on Saturday uh, to just make me really good. And, uh, and tell a really good story. But it was awesome, man. It, it, it's surreal. Uh, you know, my only ever goal was just to get to the dub. And like I said earlier, everything yeah. else has just been like, kind of like the cherry on top. Uh, but at, at 27 years old, being in the wrestling business for the last for eight years, being in the dub for the last five, accomplishing in so much in the last few years, and now to, to hold that belt that a lot of guys have that built the company and I was fans of and, you know, to, you know, to – you know, put my name in the history books to, you know, be the 43rd ever champion of a, of a company that's been around 16 years and with a lot of history and lineage. Cause I, you know, that, that's always been my big thing at the end of the day. I ever, I, I always respect the, you know, those who came before me and paved the way and, you know, John and others, you know, started at 99 and like, that's the, that's all always been my ever goal is just to continue that, you know, to keep that flame lit of, you know, the originals that started all these years ago. And now to be able to have the belt and be the top guy in the company, man, is very surreal. And I take great pride in it, man. I've never been motivated now more than ever. And I look, you know, when I'm the CZW world's heavyweight champion, you know, I'm going to represent this company and brand as best as I can everywhere I go. And, you know, it's, you know, continuing to bleed black and yellow and going into the future, man. So, like, that's just all, it's awesome right now. It's been a hell of a year. It's been a hell of a summer. And I just, I, I'm, you know, very fortunate, man, and just appreciative to those guys uh, willing enough to see something in me, uh, you know, to go into the future and, and think, you know, Matt Tremont is, is, is the guy to go with right now. And that means a lot to me. And I will, in order to give back to them, is just to, just to continue to give 110%, man. Saturday was special, dude. It was it was just a moment that I, you know, tried to take in as much as I could, and everything went went, yeah. everything went really well from the start of the Pepper Parks match until the end with me with the gauge stare down and everything, man. Just everything went so good, and it couldn't have went any better. And I was just very you know thankful and fortunate enough, man. And now, and it's crazy to come home and you know ha- have a TOD trophy and and have the championship and. uh, it's crazy, man. Cause I, you know, I know you. You're an old school Dub fan, so like, we, I, I appreciate all those guys that paved the way, man. In, in order for a kid like me to be even able to call myself the champion, so man, it, it's it's 
Yeah. One word, man. It's it's awesome, dude. But as a fan, who was your favorite CZW champion? Oh, man, I I think I think my I think overall, man. You probably think like Gage or Pain, man. But my my favorite champion overall was Ruckus. Uh, his his 2005 yeah. run as champion, man. Uh, Ruckus was that that top of his game and working everywhere, man. But favorite dub chant of all time will always be Ruckus for me. Nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, you've done a lot of really big things with On Point. Um, upcoming, you got a, a Taipei Death Match with uh, Cannonball. Um, you know, what's uh, what's the direction of On Point and everything that's going on there, including you know your upcoming match for Cannonball. I think uh, the 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 biggest the biggest thing with All Point Man is like you know me and me and Jeff have been running it for about almost three years now, and uh, it's always been like obviously besides uh, performance in the ring, uh, I enjoy promoting and booking and doing all that stuff. So All Point's really been uh, you know real you know real thing I put a lot of time <laughs> and effort into. And I think within the, especially this late, going back to last December, I, mean, I think we've really found our stride as far as a product in the ring and what we're trying to promote. And, uh, you know, with almost, almost three years running under our belt now, man, it's, you know, I think we're, we're at that place and starting to gain a little bit more, you know, momentum and you know, starting to attract, you know, different fans and stuff like that. And our draw has been steadily going up and really putting on a solid show every other month. And uh, August 29th, I would think is our best car we put out to date, and uh, you know we've been promoting it as our biggest show too. So now I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be really good. Yeah, and then um, you got also a convention event that you're putting together. Just tell me a little bit about that. Yes, uh, Sunday, October 11th uh, is uh, the South Jersey Wrestle Fest uh, in Woodbury Heights, New Jersey, which I've called home for for the last year. And so it's, you know, it's something I've wanted to do for the community and the area. And, uh, you know, as far as, cause I, at the end of the day, I really do enjoy promoting and putting on different events. So as far as me personally, you know, being a promoter, it's the biggest thing I've done so far in, in the time that I've been doing it. And uh, the, the whole WrestleFest concept pretty much is a smaller scale regional type WrestleCon uh, to give a lot of the smaller companies uh, that, that doesn't, doesn't have the notoriety as, like, you know, the Evolves and the Dragon Gates and the CZWs and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a chance to give these small promotions uh, an outlet to promote their brands and their products and sell some merchandise and make some money and meet some new fans uh, during the convention and then on the live event have a showcase match to showcase, you know, the, you know, the best guys and product they have. Uh, so it's uh, it, it, it's a lot of things, you know. Like I said, for me personally, it's the biggest thing I've been able to promote. It's given it's uh, and it's all promotions that I've worked for. So I've built good, you know good business relationships with these promotions, and now you know for the opportunities they've given me, I've reached out back to them to give them opportunities and come on down to Jersey for the first time. Because uh, you know companies like Rockstar Pro from Dayton, Ohio, unless you live in Dayton or go out there. You know, you won't be able to see a lot of their products live, so they'll be able to come down here for the first time. Uh, VOW from Pittsburgh is coming down. and uh, uh, You know, right now we got about 12 or 13 companies involved. I'm probably going to announce another five to six. Uh, we're going to have vendors selling merchandise. We're going to have uh, a bunch of podcast guys, you know, you know, doing their thing live. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's a whole, day, whole day convention, man, just a, a good day of networking for everybody and branding and promoting and, you know, try to, you know, try to make some money too. At the end of the day, it's a business and, you, you know, you've got to try to, you know, make it financial feasible for everybody. And it's uh, and affordable for the family, man. You know, it's uh, 20 bucks front row, 
$15 for second row and $10 for the bleacher seats, and that one ticket gains you access into the convention and the live event. So for 20 bucks, you get to see this whole day affair and enjoy some wrestling and hope you can get the chance to meet a lot of different companies and promoters, et cetera. Good shit, man. Um, if you had to put together a three-match compilation DVD, what would the three matches be? Three matches? I think... Uh, I think definitely me and DJ in the cage. I think as far as atmosphere and big, big, you know, big, big feud, you know, blow off to a feud and big, big time match. I would definitely put me and DJ in the cage uh, from Cage of Death. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably, I'd probably put me and Danny Havoc in there from the Cage of Death the year before from the arena, the the bed of nails and the the, the pits match. I just think overall, it's still one of my favorite. I think overall. Uh, better, you know, storytelling, you know, death matches that I've had with, uh, and it didn't have a lot of blood in it. I don't think it had any blood in it at all, which I think was only the lack, uh, you know, the the lackluster part of that match. But I thought it was a really good one. And if I had to pick another one, man, I think uh, I, I I think I would put uh, w- with the exclusion of this weekend's work, this past weekend's work at CZW, uh, I I would probably put. Uh, I know it's 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 a CZW heavy compilation, uh, but I would yeah. put. Uh, I put me and uh, me and Danny ha- Devin Moore's uh, tangle web match in there from last year. Uh, n- nothing too crazy that we did. You know, we took a couple scaffold bumps and stuff like that, man. But I just I thought we told a really good story, and there was a lot of passion and emotion involved, you know, with it. And then doing the you know the tease post match and stuff like that. So I think personally, that those are three of my better and favorite performances that I've had in, in, in the job in my time there. So what's left for the bulldozer? What are you trying to accomplish? What are your goals from this point out? <sighs> it's funny. I've had a, you know, uh, a buddy of mine warmed me up for, with a lot of these questions. But personally, a couple of days ago, like I just, I uh, saw a close friend a few days ago and we had a lot of these, uh, you know, similar questions. So, you know, good, I guess good prep for tonight, but you know, what, what I told him and what I've been telling myself now, um, I'm just, you know, at this point where I am now in independent wrestling and I'm making, you know, a lot of people say in indie wrestling, you can't make money, which is a lie. Uh, if you're a good business person and you know how to build a brand, I've become very, you know, try very business minded in the last year and just looking at Matt Tremont, the bulldozer as a brand. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making decent money on the independent level. Uh, so within that and performance in the ring and building the, the brand that is Matt Tremont, because uh, I only look to wrestle, you know, honestly, a couple more years, man. And I'm, tr- I'm trying to use the avenues that I've created with wrestling, uh, events like WrestleFest. You know, I, I launched my own video company, Double Stomp Video, last year, and we do some other stuff. So I've, I've been able to use the brand of Matt Tremont to create a lot of other avenues uh, to generate revenue for myself that's wrestling related so I can, you know, make money and, 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 and enjoy it at the same time. So I'm just really trying to, you know, create different things and set myself up for the future, uh, but still being wrestling related because I, you know, honestly, personally for me, uh, goal, you know, I'm not, not a goal-oriented person because, well, like I said, my only ever goal was CZW. Everything, again, has been just a cherry on top. But I think for me personally, you know, now I'm more motivated than ever. You know, I just want to continue, you know, ha- have a good, really good, really good title reign as the champion and represent CZW well and continue to have good quality matches. Uh, Japan is still my, is probably really the only thing left for me personally that I really, really want to do. You know, I've been to Germany yeah. and, you know, uh, UK and, you know, going to Mexico would be cool. 
but you know, I, as far as hardcore wrestling and the death matches goes, man, I I I, I think I've conquered that that you know that whole genre as far as the tournaments yeah. and stuff. So I just, man, I, I really want to go to Japan and have a really good shot of going over there and staying over there for a while and uh, just, you know, really giving a good go at it. And uh, I, I just think now, man, just continue to put out quality work and make sure the fans are getting their money's worth. Uh, you know, I'm I'm staying pretty busy right now. It's the most busy I've ever been within the business in the time I've been doing it. So I'm, you know, appreciative of that. So just, you know, continue the good quality of work, man. Uh, you know, still, you know, trying to make a few dollars at the same time doing it and, uh, you know, just, you know, longevity, keeping myself healthy for the future yeah. and just, just, just try and set up and position myself, you know, for a future outside of the ring. Cause, uh, you know, whether it's deathmatch wrestling or not, I know I'm not going to do this forever and I don't want to, uh, but it's, it's right. not discrediting anything and not discrediting anything that I've done or not, you know, lack of passion. I have a, you know, wrestling is my passion. It's all I do every day. Uh, but I know, for me, realistically, you know, I'm not going to be a WWE guy or something like that. And you know, all I want to do is hardcore wrestling. So, you know, I've I've knocked I've knocked a lot of things off the bucket list. So now I'm just trying to set myself up and my family uh, for you know for life in the future. Like I, I'm I'm you know just earlier today, like I'm moving in my first house uh, this week, and that's what I was doing. You know, before I went on the air with you today, I just been moving around and. You know, me and my girl are moving into our first house. So that's been that first step. Awesome. Now, you know, WrestleFest is a really big thing for me because if it's very successful, it opens up a lot of different other avenues for me to do a lot of different things as far as events and conventions and live events. So I'm setting myself up for the future, man. I've had a lot of fun wrestling. Got a few more things to do. So, I, you know, a couple more years, I would say, man, I'm just I'm having fun right now. And, uh, you know, just I, and I can't at the end of the day, I can't complain at all. Great man. Um, before I let you go, I got it's been a while. I got to get another Matt Tremont Yakuza Kick Radio promo. Oh, for sure, man. Whatever you're ready, man. Whatever spin you want to put on it. Uh, let me see what we got. It's uh, every every Wednesday at nine. Okay. Yep. Okay. This is the Bulldozer Matt Tremont, the current CZW World's Heavyweight Champion. And if there's one podcast to listen to, there's only one. And that's Yakuza Kick Radio every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. on Blog Talk Radio. Awesome, man. Thank you so cool. much for coming on, man. It's been great. And, um, you know, continued success on your end, man. Uh, no problem, dude. I appreciate you having me on, man. I, I, I appreciate it a lot, dude. Thank you. Anytime, man. I definitely have you back on in the future, and um, I'll see you at On Point, man. It'll be my first On Point show. Awesome, man. It's going to be fun. Glad you're coming out, brother. Yep. So, yeah, man. I'll right, see you then. Have a great night, man. You you too, man. Take it easy. All right. Later. So, there you go. That's the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And, um, you know, Great, great guy. One of the best guys you'll ever meet in wrestling, and you know, one of the uh, the top deathmatch guys in the business right now. Best promos out. I mean, the dude has so much to offer. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure anybody listening to this knows Matt Tremont's work. But check it out if you haven't, which is, which would be criminal. So, um, anyway, I'm gonna take a quick break. Come back. I review the CZW show. All right, check it out. You already know who's coming up. Black from the realms of the darkness. Need the shot to kill patients in the rockness. Monster. Sparks begin darkness. Out of the 
straight from the under. under. I make niggas wonder, wonder. Why? why I tap jaws, rock black eyes. Never think about things I be doing what? Lives I ruin In this hair shit we pursuing My parabellum be swelling Cerebellums when you're dwelling With corpozoids and void My niggas rebelling Who in the hell ever Said you can dwell whether or not I said but you're not With the shots or whatever I What? You don't wanna battle me Battle me That'll be the day My whole posse rushes Your monkey ass like cattle G True warrior Conqueror Taking flight yo Watch your nugget I love it when niggas are on sight With all true warriors In the house they die Okay, 
they put the, the thing back in the middle here. All right. Um, so the show started, if you were watching it live, with um, Sozio defeating Ryan Galoni or whatever the fuck his name is, and uh, he beat him. I, I saw just the tail end of that as I was walking in. Um, I, I don't care. I don't care about anything involving the front at all, like at all. The only thing I liked about this whole situation involving the front was it was going to lead to there being no more front. So that that's a good thing. I mean, if they just place these same people who I have no use for into other situations and other angles, eh, I don't know. Now, this, this uh, Galoni guy, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's good. It's The front kind of put on somewhat of a blinder system because there was so much completely useless people within that, that group that, I mean, you can hide like a good wrestler in there, and I, I wouldn't really know about it. Um, I have no use for Eric Corvus. I never have. He was Corvus Spear in Jersey All-Pro. I feel like it was 10 years ago, and he was no – He's no better in the ring now than he was then, and now he's fat. So I, I don't know how that equates to me giving a fuck in 2015. It's, it's not going to happen. The other dude, uh, Trooper or whatever, with the neck fat, the, the dude's got his chin that goes to his, like, pretty much his chest, like he's got the gobbler shit going. I don't give a fuck about that kid. There's nothing he's ever going to do that's going to make me give a shit. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it, just things like this. I mean, it's, it, it's not going to work. It, it's just not going to work out. Um, so anyway, um, then Sozio uh, beats beats the kid with the next fat with a Singapore cane for a while, and then that's that's the end of that. Um, JT Dunn, JT Dunn, and Joey Janela. It's like it's like some kind of tongue twister shit. I didn't even realize it until I had to say it. Um, this was uh, what do you call it? This, this was stiff. I, this was one of the matches I wanted to see more than anything else. These two went in there and they beat the shit out of each other. Um, at some point, JT Dunn hit a headbutt that busted himself open. Uh, it looked like Joey had blood in his mouth. Um, so, yeah, th- this was a good back-and-forth match. A little short. I would have liked it to go longer. Hopefully this will turn into some sort of feud. I know uh, JT and uh, David Starr has got a thing going on. Um, you know, the, the thing about that is – you know, CZW does this like-nothing-else things. I, I really want to rip those things off the turnbuckle and throw them in the lake next to the fucking arena because it, it's not like-nothing-else. When you have a match that's happened in every other fucking company that these guys have worked in, and you're building up to it as if these fucking people haven't seen it yet, it, it's not like-nothing-else. It's like everything else. It's like everything else that you're seeing, only slower. You know what I mean? Because you're getting to it after everybody else does. It's fucking ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So I'm not saying David Starr and JT Dunn won't have good matches, but you can watch a catalog of their fucking matches from other companies first. If if you don't want to wait for this building feud, then, you know, just go and fucking watch their matches everywhere else because it's just, it's fucking crazy. But anyway, like I said, I, I really do hope that, um, JT Dunn and then uh, Joey Janela get, you know, more matches together because the shit, uh, the shit was, it was stiff. It, it was um, really good matches. I enjoyed the match and, um, you know, their build up to it online with the going back and forth and fucking Joey Janela with the memes and 
doing the uh, JT Dunn album was fucking hilarious, just hilarious stuff. Um, there's certain stuff like that that I think guys can really utilize on the internet and use the internet to their benefit, you know, as far as building feuds and really getting people behind, uh, you know, this guy doesn't like that guy type of thing. You know, so much of the suspension of disbelief gets uh, just thrown out the window. See, to me, there's a certain, there's a difference, you know, people will go kayfabe this, kayfabe that. And, you know, I, I don't look like I had Ophidian on the show years ago. And the guy came on and he talked like he was a snake for the entire interview and told me he was from Egypt. I got no space in my fucking brain for that. You know what I mean? I'm not a child. I'm not going to talk to you like like I, I believe what you're saying. Like, I don't want to talk to a fucking snake. I want to talk to the guy who wrestles as a fucking snake. You know, like, what doesn't make any fucking sense to me. You know what I mean? I understand characters. Characters are fine. But then, you know, you got to be a human at some point. So... The, the part of kayfabe where, you know, you pretend like you're, you know, a snake, uh, there's a certain point where you drop that a little bit. But I think the, the part of kayfabe that you can keep is when you build these angles and you build this like you actually have animosity. The thing that you can sell to an adult is that two guys don't like each other. And that's, that's I think, the believability that you should be selling to adults is, that fucking guy wants to kill that fucking guy. And, and, you know, and then you go into your matches and you build it from there, and, you know, do what you guys do as wrestlers. But um, I, I just don't think there's enough of that in wrestling. You know, I, I think it's, um, you know, and, and, you know, they took a, like a funny turn with it and really fucked with each other online and stuff. And then, you know, that's all good. Do whatever angle you want to make it work. But, um, yeah, I thought that was a really good lead into it as well as the match being stiff as if, yeah, like it was legit. So there's that. Now, the main show starts. They, you know, they do the pre-show. That's um, it's, it's not a bad idea. I, I gotta be honest. Um, I'm gonna miss pre-shows if I go to shows and I have to work because that's I'm not leaving work an hour early to see the pre-shows. Uh, it, it's fucking crazy. You know what I mean? I happen to have this day off, so um. Actually, you know, went to the Turtleback Zoo earlier that day with the kids, came home, pretty much got changed, and then dude picked me up and we went to the show. And that was like just walking in, you know, the big, in the middle of the first match of the pre-show. So, you know, it still didn't leave me a lot of time, but as far as me losing hours at work because, you, you know, you want to put on a two-match pre-show an hour before the show, eh, I'm going to, you know, have to catch those matches, you know, uh, later on or some shit. Um, but what they do is they, they put those pre-show matches in the middle of the card on the iPay-Per-View, so you don't have an intermission on an iPay-Per-View. It's a straight-through wrestling show, which is good, too, because then the pre-show matches are going to be good caliber because you are going to place them in the middle of your card on iPay-Per-View. So I'm I'm all for the idea, just timing-wise. There's a lot of um... – see, that's the thing. Like, um, DJ's making some moves that I think benefit – the at home viewership, like the Sunday pay per view shit, fucking asinine for a live crowd. Like people have to go to work the next day. Like that's not that's not okay to, you know, be in Philly and run a Sunday night show. That that's not especially dude, you're heading into fucking football season too. Like you gotta be out of your fucking mind. Like that that shit is not gonna be okay. So 
you know, do it. I guarantee you Sunday night attendance is not going to be what you want it to be. It's just not. I would go to Cage of Death if it was on a Saturday. You put it on a Sunday, I'm out. And the dude that I fucking go to a lot of shows with, he's out. So that that's two people right there. And I didn't take any random polls. I'm just saying myself and the other dude both have fucking jobs. Monday doesn't look so good. So, hey, man, I'm not fucking my Monday up over a, a Sunday night show. So, like I said, some of the moves, you know, it does benefit the home crowd if you're watching on high pay-per-view or pay-per-view or whatever the case is. But, yeah, you gotta you got to realize you're not Vince McMahon. And um, CZW was built off a live crowd. You can, you know, get your DVD distribution. You can get all that stuff. You could uh, pay-per-view, high pay-per-view. Do whatever you got to do to, you know, pump it out to more areas. But if you sacrifice the live crowd for the sake of the the pay-per-view, I don't I don't know if you break even on that. But I, I guess we'll see. Um, I don't run a company, so what the fuck do I know? Um, they start off with um, the amazing Gulaks come out. And... Um, their fucking their gimmick is awesome, um, but here here's the issue: they led everybody to believe that this would be Nick Gage and a mystery partner versus the Amazing Gulaks. Not that like Nick Gage would find a mystery partner, they'd hang out for a minute, and then you'd get no match. But that's exactly what we fucking got. We got Biff Busick with a broken hand. Um, and, uh, fucking, that's it. The, you know, they start to brawl. Everything's going good. Do you think the bell's going to fucking ring? And security pulls everybody apart. And there was a lot of people in the crowd, too, going through and going like, so that's still left on the card, right? Like, that's still going down, right? Nope. Not at all. Fucking not going to happen. So, again, I got to point out to you guys, dude, CZW is the only fucking company that Nick Gage has worked for that he hasn't torn the fucking house down in. CZW is the only company that Nick Gage has not torn the house down in. You guys are doing a gradual build where he doesn't even have to work real matches. What what kind of shit is that? What kind of fucking shit is that? He goes into fucking Jersey Championship Wrestling. His first flows, fucking dude's heads off with the chair. Fucking, you know, does the, does the uh, tag match. They lose in the first round, but he gets over. Fucking, he does his whole, you know, all this shit. Um, he turns on his partner, lucky after that, gives him the fucking choke breaker, this and that. The, the next night, I think it was, CZW goes in, fucking promo. And not a promo that does a motherfucking thing for Gage, promo that just helped the the G's versus Tremont feud, which is all fine and good, but as far as the actual Nick Gage side of things goes, it didn't do a fucking thing for Nick Gage. It pretty much told him, like, stand here while we elevate this feud and, and talk about, like, maybe wrestling in the future. Fucking one round and out, and, it, you know, in a three-way. Um, fucking three rounds and a 50 minute death match for, for Ian. He fucking was all over the place. He was fucking um he fucking um 
he, he goes into um, Masters of Pain. He's to the finals of Masters of Pain and just fucking slaughters him. Goes back and forth with Ron Mathis in just a crazy, crazy fucking match. What is what exactly is CZW you got? I mean, the Gulak matches are right, but not not like stand out. Holy shit, Nick Gage is in the fucking. I mean, the the crowd is popping and they're doing their train steel thing. Nick fucking Gage, who's the fucking man? MDK, fucking, you know what I mean? Like it's just like the the speaking spell hour. Nick Gage comes out. And it's just like now it's it's like a fucking pep rally, you know. The the, the team's not going to play that day, but we're just going to fucking cheer for them and, and act like a bunch of trained seals because because he's there. And that's that's more or less all you're doing. You're just like I'll pop for you, not fucking wrestling. So fuck it. You can wrestle everywhere else. You could tear the fucking house house down everywhere else, and then we'll just fucking clap like trained seals when you show up and walk around the ring. It just it's fucking asinine. I don't know what exactly is causing this situation here, but like I've said before, Nick Gage is no longer a CZW guy. I want to make that very fucking obvious. Like, he can come in there and work or whatever, and eventually him and Tremont are going to have the match, probably Cage of Death, and, and I'm sure they're going to tear it up and all this, but Nick Gage, you know, the guy that goes out first round of Tournament of Death and drives to Jersey, to fucking work in, in a great adventure for Jersey all or Jersey Championship Wrestling, now game changing wrestling. Um, that's not the Nick Gage of old. The Nick Gage of old was CZW through and through, and he would have if he went out first round, he still would have been the last fucking guy out of that that lot. Not saying he doesn't deserve to go make more money, but that still doesn't you know Cage of Death tournament of death, those were like fucking holidays for Nick Gage, not. You know, just another show to work, and it and it has become just another company to work and another show to work. He's Matt Tremont, the guy I just talked to. That is Mister Fucking CZW. That is the face of CZW. You know what I mean? Uh, Nick Gage is is just another guy who works there, and we're not getting his best performances in CZW. So I, you know, I, I wish these fucking fans would stop with them fucking train seal gimmick. But that's that's what they were born to be. They were born to be follower train seal fucking jerkoffs. Anyway, um, so next, well, first match on the the show, main show, is um, um, Takumi Iroha and Penelope Ford versus, uh, and I could be mispronouncing her name because I I don't know who she is, um, versus Brittany Blake and Sumi Sukai. What's, okay, the first thing that's funny about this match is the fact that the partners are switched. It was announced as um, Sumi Sukai and Penelope Ford versus Brittany Blake and Sumi. So they completely just switched out with no explanation. <laughs> like, okay. Um, the CZW training chicks, uh, Brittany Blake and Penelope Ford, they're, they're very green. I mean, they, they're not. Uh, and to me, like, I, I'm not a giant women's wrestling fan. I'm really not. Um, I, there, there's a handful of women. I'm fucking all about it. You know what I mean? And I'm, and I'm not one of these drooling. I don't, you know, I don't have sex with women dudes that, you know, go to wrestling and just drool over the women because they look good or whatever. That That's not what I go to wrestling for. You know what I mean? And, and I'm not, that's, this shit doesn't make sense to me to think that way. But again, I'm not, I'm not like these fucking people. Um, 
and oh, actually, let me jump into real quick comment I got over the weekend. Um, I got a comment of someone saying that I hate watch shows. Now, although I think that's very, very funny, um, I, I really don't. I, I don't watch shows to hate them. If they're putting on a horrible product, I'm going to hate it. Plan on it. I'm not easily pleased. I'll give you that. Um, I definitely don't watch shows intending to hate them. I mean, that's that's not what I do. I I don't watch movies for the most part because I just I, I'm just not into it. You know what I mean? Like I watch an, an occasional movie, but if I think uh, the worst of something, like eh, I'm probably not going to like this, or I probably won't get into that, I just don't watch it. Um, you know, I've seen the best of CCW. I've you know been going since 2001, so I have high expectations. And um, I, I didn't have high expectations for this show at all. Uh, I will definitely say that. And finding out that my favorite rapper died earlier, it definitely didn't put me in a good mood. But believe me, the show fucking sucked. Um, and there's a couple exceptions to that. But um, so, but as far as female wrestling goes, I mean, there there are some excellent, excellent female wrestlers out there, and I enjoy their matches. You know, Kimberly can go with a lot of lot of fucking dudes chicks whatever i mean could could really really wrestle um sage is a lot of fun to watch um you know she did that um queen of the death match she worked awesome she kathy the butcher man she could tear it up with fucking anybody she wrestled matt tremont um not long before the queen of the death match so um you know i mean i'm not gonna you know just keep naming women i mean there's there's plenty of talented women in in wrestling and um, I just, you know, I, I'm not just easily impressed. I want to see great wrestlers, whether they're male or female. I don't want to see good for a woman. I, I'm not down with that. Um, but anyway, like I said, I, I think these two students, Brittany Blake and um, Penelope Ford, I'm sure they, they will improve. I just don't think they're very good, um, especially Brittany Blake. She botched things throughout the entire match. Sumi Sukai has always been great. You know, I've seen her years ago. Um, the other girl, I didn't know, but you know, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, I just I didn't have any. Um, you know, I had no use for this match. Um, it just it just wasn't good. Um, next match was uh, Greg Excellent versus Dick Justice. I got no room in my life for this fucking match. I don't. I fucking hated it. Um, I, I don't need Dick Justice on any fucking... I don't like the dude. Um, I mean, he might be a nice person or whatever, but as far as a wrestling, um, I just... I, I don't like anything he brings to the table. Nothing whatsoever. I, I got no use for him. Uh, I especially hated this match because they did a comedy match, which is, you know, nothing new for Greg. Um, but... The the theme of this comedy match was that they were two fat dudes that couldn't work. You know, they were, you know, just running into each other and having a hard time running the ropes and all that. And and I didn't like it first because, like I said, I, I have no use for Dick Justice. And um, I, I just, I'm not the biggest fan of comedy wrestling. Uh, when they did the that whole match with the... Um, uh, Bucks Belmar with the, a couple couple months ago, I think it was now, with the Purell, and they had them all fucking dressed up as like a normal dude, and, you know, and they were trying to break him of his shit. That was really fucking funny. That was what I would consider a really good 
comedy match because it had good wrestling in it, but the way that they worked that gimmick, I thought it was very, very entertaining. Um, this I had no use for. And like I said, they, they worked this match to the theme of we're two fat guys that can't work, and Greg could fucking work his ass off. I mean, again, I, I have heard a couple people telling me the same type of thing about Dick Justice. I don't want to fucking hear it. I, I really don't want to hear it. Um, you know, anyone could do arm drags and get into that type of segment, you know, uh, exchange or whatever. I, I don't want to hear that. Greg could really fucking work. And um, I just I just thought it dumbed down his talent a lot. And, uh, hey, hey, man, there were some people in the crowd that were very pleased with it. You know, they were enjoying it, and uh, yeah, I guess that's all that matters. For my taste, I, I don't need it. Um, the next match was uh, Takaki uh, – that that can't be the way you say it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Watanabe and uh, Chigusa Nagayo versus the dub security. Now, listen, I, I'm not a huge Japanese wrestling fan. I know, you know, uh, I know a bunch of Japanese wrestlers, and I, I'm a fan of some Japanese wrestlers. I'm not able to follow the product enough to know, like, a whole roster of dudes or chicks or what have you. Um, I'm just not. I I didn't know that um, until I got home. Uh, first off, I didn't know for sure that Chigusa Nagayo was a chick. It, first, it was like I thought it was two dudes wrestling, and then I'm like, man, this dude kind of looks like a chick. And then I'm like, nah, but you know, the fucking arms are kind of big, and she's got like the bicep tattoos. Nah, it's got to be a dude that just looks like a chick. You know, some of the some of the Japanese guys got somewhat of like that feminine look to them. You know, so I, I don't know. So uh, I, I'm thinking like I, I don't know what's going on. And then after the match, they they gave uh, who I thought was dude flowers. I'm like, did you get this fucking dude flowers? What the fuck is going on here? Um, I I don't know how much of the crowd really knew these guys or guy and girl. Um, uh, I'm under the impression that you can drive like a fucking Hyundai through the entranceway, and as long as they know it's Japanese, they're gonna fucking clap for it. Um, uh, I I don't know. To me, it just it didn't work. I, I didn't think the match was really any good. Um, this dub security thing, like, these fucking guys were security guards for Alexander James, like, last fucking month. And they're still even on this fucking website labeled as dub security, but they came out and announced as the dub boys as if there's some kind of faces in different gear and acting like, like we're supposed to just forget about the bullshit angle they were in. And, you know, my thoughts going into it was like, listen, man, if these guys come out there and tear it the fuck up, well, then why the fuck were they carrying Alexander Jen's bags for all this time. If they don't, well, then why are they putting them on the card as if there's some kind of big attraction match against an outside, you know, people from an outside company? I don't, I don't really understand what the point of this match is. So, um, I, again, I, I had zero use for this. Um, and like I said, um, Shigusa Nagayo is, is a Japanese legend. I looked it up and it's like, she's been wrestling since the fucking eighties and shit. Like, fuck man. But CCW is not the fucking platform for this. And if it was, they should have definitely cut some kind of fucking promos going into this thing and, and cut some kind of shit where, you know, maybe the, the dub security boys or whatever the fuck you're calling them. Uh, they cut some kind of promo like, listen, you know, we're done with that old bullshit and um, 
you know, we have the opportunity to wrestle, you know, Japanese legend, da 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 da, and and then maybe you know pique people's interest enough to maybe look her up and then go, oh fuck, okay, you know, I, I don't know. I d- I just feel like it was really oddly placed and it was just thrown on the card and you know, I mean, yeah, they had, they announced it pre- previous, but I don't know who was supposed to really know what the fuck was going on here. Um, so next up was uh Tim Donst versus Frankie Picard, who for the for the CZW Wire Championship. So first off, Tim Donst, a fucking guy who just legitimately beat cancer. They immediately turn heel after he comes back to wrestling. How fucking stupid is that? You turn the fucking guy heel who just had everybody in the wrestling world behind him for beating cancer, and now people are supposed to go, hey, fuck you. I don't know. I don't know how that translates to fucking English. So, okay, the fucking guy who beats cancer is a heel, right? Well, who's the face in the match? Oh, yeah, that's right. The guy who's never worked for the fucking main roster of CEW before. The guy who you would only know if you went to Dojo Wars, Frankie Picard, who you did the whole title change thing on Dojo Wars with where uh, Joe Gacy lost the title to him and then won it back. They did that with um, Shane Strickland and Gacy where they, they traded the title on Dojo Wars before the main show came back, which was fine because at least Strickland was a main roster guy. It, it's silly when you put a guy who's not on the main roster over for the title and then have him lose the title again. So now he's in your history, but he hasn't even debuted for your main company yet. It just It's fucking silly. And then I guess you're basing his number one contendership, which is never – never has any kind of accuracy or legitimacy. Like, there's never... People just randomly get title shots. Like, um, when Mike Bailey fucking lost the best of the best match, came back, got a shot at fucking Biff Busick for the title, and then lost that, and then got, like, a wired title match, and then got, like, a tag title match. Didn't win a single fucking match and just never stopped getting fucking title shots. You know, so I I know that, you know, CZW is not trying to build any legitimacy to their titles or, uh, you know, who's getting shots and why or or reasoning behind it. Um, But this is just another clear example. Um, Frankie Picard's all right. Um, You know, like I said, it's a shame because he's supposed to be the face in the match and he got fucking two rolls of toilet paper bounced off him while they're announcing his name. So... Um, that that means you succeeded in pitching a fucking face over a guy who just beat cancer. Um, you know, so there's that. Um, like I said, Frankie Picard's all right. Um, he, he still needs fucking work. Um, he's fucking ab work, too. Like, listen, man, I know I got abs and maybe I'm a jerk off for saying this, but what is the problem with people working their fucking midsection in wrestling? I, I just see, like... Tim Downs had fucking um, Frankie Picard up for a suplex, and the dude looked fucking pregnant. Or as fucking Tracy Morgan would say, look pregnant. You know, and and, uh, I I don't know why people, you know, I mean, shit, you could could fix your diet and just just amp it up a little bit, uh, you know, and and you don't have to be shredded, but for Christ's sakes, when you got like the the Zandig belly going on, I I don't really understand. Like, why, why is that okay in wrestling? I mean, one month you'll see guys, and they'll be looking good, and, you know, they'll actually have, like, a pretty toned 
situation going, and then I, next thing you know, it's like fucking this fucking belly hanging over the fucking uh, hanging over the tights. I, I just don't understand why why wrestlers don't want to look like wrestlers. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, if, you know, people who are bigger guys, that that's their deal. They're bigger guys. That's that's what they're gonna be. But I mean, if you're gonna be in some form of athletic shape and you're gonna run around in your fucking underwear, because you know everyone has to wear those fucking briefs and shit, uh, why not? Why not fucking do something with your body that's fucking presentable? Either that or fucking you know wear a singlet or some shit. I, I just I don't understand. I know. Again, I mean, maybe I'm a dick for saying that, but it is what it is. You're presenting a product. You're the product you're presenting to the fucking audience. And if you don't care about the product, why the fuck are they going to care? So, um, they announced Mike Bailey versus AR Fox in the uh, Chris Cash Memorial Ladder Match, which is the main event of the next show, and neither one of those guys were booked on this show. So, I mean, there's, there's that build. Um, I mean, you guys are going to do fucking um, uh, just just insane things all over this fucking ring. Um, they're, they're really going to just fucking tear it up. They're going to do all sorts of suicidal shit off the ladder and fucking crazy spots. And um, hopefully AR Fox doesn't wear the fucking um, the Walmart shirts to the fucking ring. Oh, and you know what? Fucking... Joe Gacy came out after that Ken Dons match with fucking Walmart shirts on. Stop it, guys. Does N1 sponsor fucking CZW or what's going on? Why is it okay for everyone to come to the ring with fucking N1 fucking Walmart $7 shorts on? Why is that okay? Can you get a Nike Swish on your goddamn shorts if you have to come out in shorts? Jesus Christ. I, I don't understand why we can't spend $20 on shorts. It's got to be fucking, you know, the, the $7 Walmart shirts. I have the same shorts, but I don't leave, like, town in it. I'm not going to go on a fucking – I'm not going on iPay-Per-View anyway, but I'm not going to go on a fucking iPay-Per-View in $7 fucking Walmart shirts. I, I, I just – I find this fucking bizarre. Fox had fucking tights on, girl said – may have been from the women's section of Walmart, but I can't confirm or deny that because I don't, that's not, you know what I mean? I don't know. Um, but those tie-dye joints, she seems to think she saw those in Walmart on the other side of the store. But anyway, she had the fucking, the lime green fucking neon Walmart fucking N1 shorts over that shit for his entrance. Like he thought it would look better to walk out with some cheap ass shorts over his fucking ring gear. I'm not really sure. Maybe, maybe this N1 thing is catching on and it, this is the new style and this is, this is fucking crazy shit. It's good. Cause I got two pairs of them. I got orange ones and I got black ones. So if this is catching on, let me know. And I'll start wearing them more like more publicly. Like I'll go to the wrestling show with the fucking, the cheap ass shorts on. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not really up on fads and uh, fashion. But um, it it just strikes me as fucking bizarre. So anyway, um, hopefully Fox doesn't come out with that. But you know, I mean, what they do in the ring is just it, it's fucking crazy. They're they're gonna tear it up. Um, uh, Jake Chris versus Danny Havoc in a barbed wire madness match. This was fucking crazy. This was good shit. Um, very very um. Good match. Jake and Danny just tore it off. This was definitely one of the best matches of the show. Um, 
Yeah, crazy fucking match. And um, Alex Cologne came out to join Ohio's for Killers. Um, I got to think that they're steering towards Ohio's for Killers versus um, Nation of Intoxication at Tangled Web. So, um, you know, could be wrong, but all signs are pointing towards that. Uh, these guys are, you know, putting on a really good feud together. And uh, I hope it, you know, continues. It's good to see Alex back and, you know, involved in some shit. So there's that. Um, next up was uh, Dave Chris versus Connor Claxton. And uh, this this was all right. This could have been better, I think. Um, I wasn't blown away by it. I, I thought it was, but, um, yeah. Um, then you had the main event of, um, and, you know, before, before I go with this, um, and I'd imagine this is the match we're going to get at the next show. They did like a backstage segment that they, they put on Facebook, uh, you know, afterwards or whatever, but, um, and you know, their website, but, uh, where fucking Niles Young, like bumped into cherry bomb and she screamed that like, he, he fucking ran into her and called her a bitch. And then pepper parks. This is one of the dumbest fucking angles I've ever heard. And the payoff is a match that I don't want to see at all. So you can actually hear it, like when they did, because she started doing the screaming thing, and she was, you know, knowing you couldn't see her because they were behind that little curtain over there. So you could hear, like, the screaming and shit, and you knew that, like, something was going on back there, but the live crowd wouldn't know fucking shit about what was actually happening. But uh, I just want to, you know, give a heads up to uh, CZW management that that was a really, really dumb fucking storyline you started there. And um, no one wants to see the payoff. So, um, just a quick heads up. Uh, Matt Tremont and Pepper Parks, Voorhees Street Fight. Because you know how Voorhees Street Fights go. Um, I, I don't know why you just got to throw the name of the town in front of wherever they're having a street fight. As if they're notorious for street fights there. I mean, you know, if you do, you know, Boston Street Fight or something. like It, it kind of makes a little more sense. Like, oh, shit, you know, you know Boston. It's just like Voorhees street fight. Like that, I don't know how many street fights actually happen in Voorhees, but we'll go with it. Um, this wasn't bad. You know, uh, Matt and Pepper, they brawled all over the place. And, um, you know, like I said, it wasn't bad. Um, Matt wins the match. Um, yeah, at one point, uh, Matt was supposed to backdrop Pepper Parks into um, Cherry Bomb. She was uh, supposed to be, you know, on the guardrail that was propped in the corner, and he was sort of supposed to backdrop Pepper on the cherry bomb, and she was not committed to that shit whatsoever. She got the fuck out of the way before that shit landed on her at all. I mean, she sold it as if she took it, but she absolutely did not take that fucking move. Um, you know, in which case I always say, like, no problem if you don't want to take the move, just just don't fucking do it. I mean, you know. You know, everyone's done those, like, run into the chick on the the ring apron and she takes the bump off and acts like, you know, she's dead on the side. I mean, you could have done that, but, you know, boyfriend on the girlfriend thing or wife, husband, I don't know if they're married. But, um, you know, do that move and then have her kind of bail on the spot is, is kind of silly. But, you know, I'm nitpicking. Um, they, uh, you know, Tremont wins the match. Gets on the mic, calls at G, says, you know, I'm not done. I got one more piece of retribution. He comes out, G's, you know, starts cutting the promo on him. And, you, and you'll notice that uh, G's bailed on that Meek Mill and, uh, you know, <laughs> went, with, went with the Beanie Seagull because, um, 
that shit's holding up like a motherfucker right now. Um, so he, uh, he came out to that and, uh, you know, he cut the promo with him like, Oh, you know, I feel you, you know, you, you want, uh, you want this and that, but it's not going to happen. So, uh, see you later, you know, he leaves and, uh, Tremont pretty much tells him that I'll, I'll give you my pay if, uh, if you give me the shot. So he comes back and, you know, and does the thing. It's, I don't know if that was like the best fucking, you know, um, you know, a uh, trigger word or, or phrase to like get them to like, Oh, like the money's really gonna, I mean, I guess, but like no one believes you're actually handing your fucking pay to the other guy. Like, so it, it's kind of silly. I mean, they've done a lot of different shit in the past where it's like, Oh, you know, you know, you call a guy a pussy and that's his trigger. You know, that's where he's like, yo, fuck that. I'm not, not going to let you say that, you know, or, you know, maybe he says, you know, you're, you're a fucking paper champion or, you know, something that sets them off rather than just like, oh, yeah, I'll give you my money. Like, oh, okay, here I come. Like, okay. So anyway, uh, he comes back and they, they worked like a really pretty short match. And, uh, you know, Tremont goes over and fucking wins the title. And, and good for him. Yeah, I'm a huge G's fan, but in the same token, you know, Tremont is the face of CZW. So having that guy, you know, with the belt, you have a huge face champion coming off of uh, two heel champions, really, because um, Niles Young had the fucking championship. He was a heel. Fucking, you went from him to uh, to G's having it. And then, uh, you know, G's pretty much turned heel with it. And, uh, you know, that that's what I was saying, too, back then. It was weird because you had, Niles Young was a fucking heel. Jeez, beat him. Well, that's a face move because you're beating the heel. And, um, you know, he, the cage of death was pretty good. And, you know, they did the whole thing. And then he beat the fuck out of Niles. Well, Niles was a heel last month. So that's still a face move. You choke him with the fucking rope and all that. Uh, I'm still looking at a guy choking a heel. I don't, I don't really, you know, so it took a month or two before he really caught back on to being like, you know, full G's heel again. So either way. You went from heel to heel to now, you know, you got the big face. And, you know, people have wanted to belt on Tremont for a long time. You know, obviously, there's a lot of people who complain either way you look at it. But, you know, um, Tremont will be one of those guys that will get over huge with the fans. Um, I honestly don't think that the, the Gage-Tremont feud needs a belt at all. So I'm honestly hoping that he loses it before the Gage-Tremont feud actually kicks into full gear because I think that's a waste of a title match. Um, that match is going to be fire either way. It does not need a title behind it. It just really, really doesn't. It needs just that fucking passion and that long time, you know, waited all this time and now I'm finally getting my shot. That's, that's what that match needs. Not, a not a belt on the line. That's fucking silly. So, you know, Huge, obviously, huge Matt Tremont fan. I uh, hope he kills it, but I hope before Cage of Death comes with Gage, you know, he loses it. Maybe they work some kind of angle where he's too focused on Gage and he loses, you know, concentration on, you know, somebody that's in front of him and then they win the title. I don't know. Work something because I don't think that feud needs a, a title at all. So that's the CZW show, like I said. Um, you know, shout out to, to Matt you know, winning that fucking belt because that that's great for him. You know how much it means to him. And um Jake and Dave killed it and I and not Jake and Dave, uh 
Danny and Jake killed it. And uh, I thought, um, you know, Janella and JT Dunn was really good. And um looking forward to seeing, you know, maybe them do some more of that in the future. I think they could do big things with fucking Janella. I really do. And JT Dunn being back in um, in CCW is a huge thing. So, um, so yeah, that's pretty much that. Uh, next week, like I said, I'm going to have a lot to talk about with this, uh, this barbecue doing the fucking pepper pong. Uh, that's going to be fun. Um, you know, uh, for the, just run it down real quick. Uh, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, um, I'm going to be doing you know, my barbecue. I don't drink, so yeah, I, I do like the game beer pong, but I don't drink. So obviously put a different spin on it. Um, I came up with the idea, you know, you, you got your 10 cups, but numbers on those 10 cups underneath, you know, scramble the cups all, uh, all over the place. You have water in the cups. And um, I grow 20-something, maybe 30 types of peppers. So I'm going to put different types of peppers in Tupperwares, numbers of Tupperwares, and fucking whatever number cup it's. You fucking, you got to eat the pepper or a piece of the pepper, depending on the the, uh, the severity of the pepper. I'm not going to be crazy and have people eating whole fucking, you know, intense peppers. But um, I have everything from sweet peppers to the hottest peppers in the world, which is the Carolina Reaper. So, um, and I don't think I'm involved in that one in the game because I have ones that are still fucking mind-blowing hot. Yeah, I don't want to just send people home. The uh, Carolina Reaper is 400 times hotter than a jalapeno. So you can just legitimately 400 times hotter. It's uh, the hottest pepper in the world. So you can only imagine. But um, it's it's going to be a lot of fun reactions of people uh, fucking losing their shit on the um, the peppers when they're losing the, the uh, pepper pong. So, um, yeah, that's about it. Like I said, um, if you can go help my dude uh sean price's family out uh crowdrise.com backslash uh sean p you know definitely um that that's a big thing to me and um you know help the dude out you know help his family out i should say because uh he's got fucking a wife and three kids and that that's that's fucked up to lose your uh lose your dad and shit so um so yeah there's that uh check out my dudes over there at the sports den check out andrew carlock see what he's up to i don't know if he's doing a fucking show this week i'm always i always i beg this fucking dude to throw fucking plugs at me let me know you know whatever the good dude he's always plugged me so i'm always willing to plug him back but he, he never tells me shit so check out the uh star nation page and see if he's up to anything uh, like I said, check out the Sports Den. Those fucking guys, um, they do the show Wednesday nights. Um, they finish that shit like Friday evening. They do like fucking 12, like 13-hour shows. I, I don't understand how they do it. I tried to listen to last week's show. It, shit was legitimately like five fucking hours. I don't even understand how you pull that shit off. Um, but very soon I'm going to be having some of those Sports Den guys coming on because uh, football season is coming, and, you know, I get hyped like a motherfucker for this shit. So um, that's what's up. Like I said, check out uh, Frank Febo and his uh, his graphics. Look him up on Facebook, and you're going to, you know, find his uh, his graphic pages and everything else. 
and uh, he does good work over there. So hit him up. I think that's all I got for this week, and I will talk to you motherfuckers next week. Peace. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you? Good? You're not good. You just know how to hide. All right. Me, I don't have that part. Me, I always tell a truth. Even when I lie. So say goodnight to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no foolishness.